the baseline, up in the daytime. Had a late night, but I never lay down. I never stay down. I hope your day's fine. We should spend the day now. Hey, I'm gonna make time, so you should make time. And we should play. I have enough things to say. I, let's run away. We can take a vacation. Treasure creation, okay? Hey, we'll go from land to sea. Yeah, this ain't no fantasy, darling. Do anything you want, do. Let me take your worries off you Stay right here next to me Yeah, you're in good company, darling Go anywhere you want go Better come back tomorrow because I know it's hard to trust sometimes But it's harder to be lonely, yeah So would you rather to be lonely, yeah You gotta get to know me, yeah. In the place, drive up in the bins, yeah. Dip on the ends, rides up you and your friends, yeah. All them a chat, I say I walk into them, yeah. All them a chat, I say them can't make no friend, yeah. Pull up again, I pick up on this out in, yeah. Buy coconut and go rocky boat, them, yeah. All them a chat, say we no worry about friend, yeah. Well, I know that we say I walk into them, yeah. You know I've got the time. Plus your body shot, you need a license to be yeah. I know it's hard to trust sometimes But it's harder to be lonely yeah. no, Tell them say my love will never die Where do we go? Oh, along and winding road The louder they roar The harder that they fall Send for the man with him by Send for the woman afraid of no man. 
Good morning to all of our listeners around the world. Logged on to the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com. And to all the listeners, logged on to JohnOradio.com. And I gotta say good morning to my studio audience, courtesy of Clubhouse. It's Wednesday, August 31st. We are at the last day of August. That leaves us with what? Four months? September, October, November, December? Whatever goals you had set out for this year, if you haven't got started, now is a good time. Things can change the blink of an eye, so don't put it off till next year. There's no time like the present, they say. Yep, it's Wednesday, August 31st. Hashtag WCW Woman Crush Wednesday. Want to say thank you for joining me for Coffee and Toe World News on the Go every Monday through Friday. Starting at 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern, where I read the news and we share our views. Well, since it's Woman Crush Wednesday, if you are a regular, you should already know we only play the songs of one particular artist, or they do a few. But today we are crushing on coffee through music. The young, the talented, coffee. This is her on the remix with Bujabantan. You know, we can't say that cultural music is dead. It is not. It is still alive. It is what we choose to do with it. Some say pressure boss pipe, but I want to look at it in a different way. Diamonds are created under pressure. Anything that's great had to go under serious pressure. So let us know that whatever challenges we face are meant to shape us. A seed cannot grow unless it's planted. Think about that. Whether it's submerged in water, hydroponics, or in the dirt, the traditional way. And here are the headlines we have coming up for you today. Russia-Ukraine live news updates. Russia gas deliveries to Europe halted. Mikhail Gorbachev, the rise and fall of the last Soviet leader. Canada spy smuggled UK's Shamima Bidgum into Syria. Solomon Islands suspends all naval visits, according to the U.S. Embassy. Biden to ask for approval for $1.1 billion arms sale to Taiwan. Russia to launch major military drills with China and others. The U.K. leadership race at the coverage of Rishi Sunak's heritage. All you need to know about Nigeria's ban on foreign models. 
In news out of North America, life-saving NYC announces debt relief plan for taxi drivers. Documents likely concealed at Donald Trump's Florida home. $1.34 billion lottery prize still unclaimed. Officers seize a shipment of baby wipes that turned out to be $11.8 million worth of cocaine. Man's intoxicated target practice kills the neighbor. Colorado teen shot killed while filming a TikTok dance video. Father who boarded school bus to curse out school kids say daughter had been bullied and jumped. In business and tech news, Coles and Gap have a surprising plan for this season's unsold clothing. Uber now lets users text with a safety agent to monitor rides. In health and science news, Texas health officials confirm the first U.S. death of a patient diagnosed with monkeypox. In sports news, Duke volleyball player Rachel Richardson's father says his daughter was afraid after being subjected to racial slurs. In the Caribbean corner, null and void drug judge strikes down St. Kitt's anti-gay law. Jamaicans urged to treat homeless persons with respect, and the Prime Minister joins Jamaicans in remembering broadcaster Francois Saint-Just. Out of Latin America, last member of Brazilian indigenous community was found dead. In Believe It or Not stories, AP African American Studies courses being offered across the U.S. for the first time. BSO deputy arrested for stealing cash from person airport sting operation. A 93-year-old California assisted living resident died after she was served dishwashing liquid instead of juice. New Jersey art teacher responds to criticism of a curvaceous body. Fulton County DA maintains using rap lyrics in court following new gang Rico indictment. If you decide to admit your crimes over a beat, I'm gonna use it. And in entertainment news, Megan, Duchess of Sussex, and Mariah Carey talk biracial identity in new podcast. We're gonna be right back with the details after some more from Coffee. Keep it locked. Where will we go? When the quarantine thing done and everybody touch road. Oh, me me gonna start pull up in a fast car, yeah. I know fast start make you want the fast part, yeah. I know you're feeling me, you know I'm feeling you. So what now we for do? Yeah. Say you want travel, we go whole valley. Say you hope in your love and not just no tally Make my heart full of some love you totally Do my own thing, I'm in a trouble nobody I was watching out for the party out And they didn't hear about them, them what we know Swing on me, no miss like Pacquiao What you feeling for hot coffee out What you know, what you know All you want to talk about the matrimony Yeah, anything you want Feeling you, I'ma pull up in my fast car. 
fool and I'm a fast guy. When I wake up, I wake up with coffee and tell you're big enough, huge once again, says way. Thank you so much to everyone tuned in on johnorader.com, qmzrader.com, and of course, everyone here with me on Clubhouse. I do appreciate you. So, we're going to kick off the international news with this story, courtesy of Al Jazeera. All you need to know about Nigeria's ban on foreign models. That's the way to stand up. Nigeria has banned to, well, has moved to ban foreign models and voiceover artists from advertisements in the country. The measure announced last week makes Nigeria home to 200 million people, the first country known to enact such a law, which seeks to foster more local involvement in the industry and elsewhere. The ban is set to go into effect on October 1, with observers saying it is sure to represent a noticeable shift in a country where non-Nigerians have long been common on the air and radio waves. So what is the plan all about? Mm, Let's dig a little deeper. The Advertising Regulatory Council of Nigeria announced the plan in an August 23 statement saying the move was in line with the government's policy of developing local talent. It said it was also motivated by the need to take necessary steps and actions aimed at growing the Nigerian advertising industry. A 2017 to 2021 analysis by PricewaterhouseCooper projected that Nigeria, Africa's largest economy, will be the world's fastest growing revenue generator in the entertainment and media industry in the next five years. The ban will pertain to advertisement targeted or exposed on the Nigerian advertising space, referring to an industry estimated to be valued at about $450 million dollars in 2021. It added that while ongoing campaigns will be able to continue to run to the end of their current term, subsequent applications for revalidation or continued exposure of such material will not be granted. So is the plan likely to be effective? Well, Nigeria had already imposed a tariff of about $240 for every foreign model used an advertising spot, which has begun to transform how marketing campaigns in the country look. This is according to the UK's Times newspaper. 10 to 20 years ago, if you checked the commercials, I would say there were almost uh, 50-50 in terms of foreign faces and all the voiceovers were British accents. That's according to Steve Babeko, the president of the Association of Advertising Agencies of Nigeria. That would include Nigerian brands using foreigners and global companies distributing their advertisements in the former British colony, which gained independence in 1960. He said the laws were in line with the new sense of pride among young Nigerians who wanted to see representation in the media. I think the law is just catching up with the national sentiment. As long as maybe eight years ago, you would notice some kind of renaissance in Nigeria. People will tell you there are about 200 million million of us. Are you telling me you could not find indigenous models for these commercials? What has the reaction been? Well, seems favorable. But social media users in Nigeria have been somewhat split on the move. 
Nigerian voiceover actor Jamel Dean wrote on Twitter the move was a dangerous retaliatory step that could possibly hurt us. Meanwhile, Lebanese-Nigerian entrepreneur Mohamed Jamal called the measure a good development. Others have pushed back on the characterization that the ban specifically singles out white actors, noting the language only refers to foreign talent. Ah, I, I can understand the mixed feelings. Um especially when it relates to those children. And, and, and I want to ask the question, for those children who are born to Nigerian parents but were born in another country, have the talent, want to do good in Nigeria, want to give back to Nigeria, does it shut them out? Or will they be allowed to pursue if they have dual citizenship? So I have some questions there. Now, I do applaud them. When you think about it, 200 million people, why should you be using foreigners, so to speak, when there's local talent that is in need of being um, recognized and given the opportunity to earn, just like everybody else? You know, when, when I read, as I'm reading the story, I'm thinking about the industry film industry here in the U.S., especially within the um, black community. You keep seeing the same faces, and I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on. You, don't, you mean to tell me that we only have 25 black actors or actresses? I'm just throwing that figure out there. Because for the most part, it's the same faces. Denzel, um, what's the other older man's name? Um, you have Cheadle. Not him, that he's older. You have Don Cheadle. You have, uh, oh my gosh, what's his name? He spoke about the movie he did the other day with Angelina Jolie, where he was the leader of that ring. An older man. He wears an earring. I don't know why, but I'm I'm like brain dead this morning. <laughs> we all are. <laughs> The only thing I hear in my head is Idris Elba, but I know who you're talking about. <laughs> and Idris is not, so I'm not putting him in the U.S. category because he's not U.S. He is Ghanaian and, um, yeah. Was he born yeah. in Ghana, Ghana or was he born in England? I don't know that I'm part. I'm not sure, yeah. But, um, you know, you know, oh my God, his name is right there. This is an older guy. Oh my Samuel God. Jackson. Samuel Jackson Samuel is one. Jackson, yes. He's um, one. But oh my God. The black guy, I can't remember. Oh, no, this is bad. This is really bad that I can't remember his name. And it's right there on the tip of my tongue. I can't. Okay, so you know what? I'm not going to stress myself out. We talked about exercise in our brains the other day, right? <laughs> Morgan Freeman. <laughs> That's it. Okay, so these are the faces you see usually. Denzel Washington, Samuel L. Jackson, Danny Glover, Will Smith, Morgan Freeman. Well, back in the day, it used to be Sidney Poitier. Um, Eddie Murphy back in the day, Jamie Foxx. Now you have Michael B. Jordan. You used to see a lot of Force Whitaker and Lawrence Fishburne, right? Um, Blair Underwood. But, okay, so I'm looking at a list of 42 names of african-american actors in hollywood 42 
How many people in this country? How many African-Americans in this country? So why is it that we are so limited? Now, yes, we have to thank, um, what's his name? In Atlanta, build a big studio. Tyler Perry. Tyler, Tyler Perry. Perry. <laughs> Let me tell you something. My brain is on zero this morning. I'm not remembering names. Thank you, Jamaica. Morning, morning, everyone. Morning, MK. Morning, Jason. Um, yeah, Tyler Perry. So we have to give him credit for opening up the doors and building that table, right? But um, we need more. We need to see more. Now, with the advent of uh, Jason, your mic is open and I'm live on air. Okay, so in the advent of um, social media, the platforms, TikTok and IG, in particular TikTok, we have to be grateful that a lot of people are now able to chart their own paths, right, and make themselves recognized. But it takes a lot of work. Trust me, it ain't easy. Content creation is not easy. But I would love to see more. So I understand where Nigeria is headed. Promote our own, use our own talent, before going overseas so the ads and that have the voiceovers of these british accents um they're gonna have to when their contracts are up that's it they can't renew i don't know um it's a lot better than it used to be because mm. when you're naming names a while ago what i remember is it was denzel stop <laughs> period then then it was eddie stop Mm -hmm. And 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 you understand. This, I wasn't even in America yet. I was in Jamaica. Mm -hmm. I understood quintessentially that in America, you have that one Eddie Murphy. You're not getting any more until Eddie Murphy done. Nowadays, there's multiple people at the same time. And I, and I'm and I'm and I would love to say more. That being said, I'm grateful that progress continues to happen. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I tell you something, there is a deeper message at the center of this, if we think about it. It's the starting to embrace who we are as a people. Because for far too long, we would always look at the quote-unquote foreigner as being better than us. Right? And of course, we understand that stems from colonialism and the mindset that has been passed on from generation to generation. So I applaud Nigeria for sending, If I don't know if that's a message that they wanted to send, a very potent message, or if it was a subliminal one. But for me, it's blaring. Yeah, embrace us. We are good, just as good, if not better. But we are so focused, and we have that mindset throughout the Caribbean. We certainly have it in Jamaica, where we feel that a foreigner is better than the local. And because I mean, I, I mean to a degree, to a degree, but the Jamaican film industry has always been putting up our own from the seventies. Remember, one of the biggest films in the world in nineteen seventy-two was um, "How Did They Come," and that was all done in Jamaica. Mm -hmm. So. It, what 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 we're seeing with Nigeria is because Nigeria has resources. It's, it's not that we none of us thought that we weren't as good as whoever was the biggest movie star could be Brad Pitt or whatever in the U.S. We all felt we could do the same thing. Just mm -hmm. didn't have the resources. Nigeria actually has the resources. They've been doing this, and we're now seeing it because technologically, you're, you're, it's, it, you have more access to technology that. 
an individual couldn't have before, like, say, 20 years ago or even 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And then them have money on top of it. Mm-hmm. So the landscape is very different. It's not so much going through the gatekeepers that run the world, like Warner Brothers, MGM Studios. Like in the 80s, you had to go through MGM Studios or Warner Brothers for international distribution, which is one of the reasons why um, How Did They Come is such a it's such an iconic film. It never went through none of that, but still got international distribution. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Thank you. Great point, Jason. Appreciate it. All right. So our next story, courtesy of Al Jazeera, the UK leadership race and the coverage of Rishi Sunak's heritage. Rishi Sunak reached the last round of the contest to replace current British Prime Minister Boris Johnson last month. And since then, there has been a flurry of coverage, critique and commentary around the potential that Britain may have a prime minister of Indian origin. For Sunak, the Hindu practicing Southampton-born son of Indian and East African parents, much of the focus has been on the former banker's class and wealth background. The combined wealth of Sunak and his wife, Akshata, let me not get her name wrong, Akshata Murti, the daughter of one of India's most successful and richest IT entrepreneurs, is estimated to be £730 million or $850 million. Throughout the campaign, 42-year-old Sunak has been forced to downplay his privilege, having to admit that he was silly after a video emerged of him making comments when he was a student nearly 20 years ago in which he said he did not have any working-class friends. He was also called out after saying he eats a McDonald's breakfast wrap that the fast food chain letter confirmed they had stopped serving two years ago. His Hindu religious identity has also been an aspect that the PM hopeful has been keen to highlight, most recently posting an image of him and his wife marking an auspicious Hindu religious festival by praying at an Indian temple. Sunak, positioning himself as a devout Hindu, has been well received by Hindus in the UK, US and India, and reports of Hindus praying for him have been among the consistent shows of support for him on and offline in recent weeks. As Rima Saini, a senior lecturer in sociology at the School of Law at Middlesex University in London told Al Jazeera, in the UK there is a growing cosmopolitan South Asian Hindu middle class, which in recent years has been leaning increasingly more towards the Conservative Party. Amongst this demographic, he has been very well received. Saini said, however, this support does not necessarily extend to other parts of the UK's South Asian diasporic communities. Bangladeshi and Pakistani populations are still much more economically challenged than the Indian population in the UK, so it is likely they would prefer, prefer rather a more left-leaning candidate. Due to historical events like the partition of the colonized British Indian territories, there is still animosity between Hindus and Muslims in the Indian community here. And I think Sunak very much aligns himself with being critical of so-called radical Islam, something that was seen again when he talked during the campaign about cracking down on extremists. And so I don't think Sunak is naturally going to have the same cachet amongst Muslim populations. In India, commentators say his bid has been eagerly watched by English-language mainstream media and online. 
One aspect of his identity that has not been highlighted as much is that of his East African heritage. Sadak's parents, Yashvir and Usha, were born in Kenya and Tanzania, respectively, during the days of the British Empire. The story has received general coverage in East Africa, with one piece in the Nation newspaper in Kenya drawing on comparisons with when Barack Obama was running for president in the U.S. Yet, beyond that, Analysts say that the story on Sunak has received very little attention, potentially speaking to the wider existing relationship dynamics between the two communities. I would love to see a different face take the helm in Britain, meaning not a white face. So um, I support the diversity. But there is a story coming up later on with regard to Meghan Markle and Mariah Carey. And I am going to hint to it by saying this in relation to Sunak and his journey to become the next prime minister of um, the UK. Why is it that we are, when we are, or when people, let me, let me correct that, when people are of um, mixed race, they tend to, Promote the one that is deemed more acceptable. What is the psychology behind that? Because they want better in life. I don't understand. They want to make it easier for themselves. <laughs> is it, or is it because they're yearning for acceptance and they feel that... They, and even if it, it has nothing to do with advancing economically or climbing the social ladder, it happens... Oh, it has everything all, to do that. It has everything to do with that. All of that. Everything you just say. Plug all of it. You, you've just put together the entire thesis. All of that. So why do we allow it to happen? Why do we, okay, so why allow, do we allow, allow, allow it to happen? Especially within communities of color. We now will look at him and um, relish and be enamored with him as we promote and we'll say oh he's of um indian but what about the african part of him we have been we have been um if we have evolved over the past 1600 years 14 from 1400 to now everything in society has pushed us to see black at the bottom like every every argument every positioning every imagery so i mean the Imagery in society that, that put black in a positive light globally in the most powerful countries is a very, very new concept. For most of the past 600 years, anything black has been negative. So it is in the DNA, even even black people. Like we, we, The society has taught everybody, including black people, that everything black is negative. So the knee-jerk, the automatic response is to respond positively to what is not black. And it takes a conscious effort and introspection and discipline and vigilant vigilance to realize, oh wait, I need to go against the decoding and brainwashing that has been going through my system every single day. I will never forget, because I come from a predominantly black country, I remember the first day I came to the United States for college, 
And I was just looking at the TV shows because in Jamaica didn't have cable, so we didn't have American TV like that. The, the, there were shows that were made in Jamaica, and then we would they would put shows from other stations, and it could be from different countries. So the imagery I was used to seeing television posters, all that black was pro- prominent. And then I came to America, and I that is literally the first thing I recognized. TV shows, news coverage, everything. Black is at the bottom. And that's that's what everybody's pummeled with for 600 years. So it is automatic and easy and simple to respond in a, ma- a manner that black is at the bottom, that whatever you're connected with, big up the next thing. The whole concept of putting black first, that's a recent thing. And we're even struggling with it now. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you. Anybody else wants to make any comment before I move on to the next story? Thank you, Jason. Go ahead, Fabian. Yeah, thank you, Moments. Uh, big up yourself, Jason. Big up, Adrian. Yes, my virgin. Long time, long time. But, uh, you know, uh, we actually go, we're going to have a show on this this evening real quick. Yes, we are. And... <laughs> And 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 I would love for everybody moments to, to be there. It's going to be six thirty p.m. Yes, Eastern I'll time. Yes, there. Fabian, and, send it, send the invitation. Just send Allah with the invitation. Don't the argument. Just send the invitation. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. We'll do. Man. We'll do. But real quick, we're going to talk about colorism, yeah. and how uh, religious portrayals have really shaped our thinking, and uh, how many churches have we walked in and see this white god with blue eyes. So. That's all we need to think about for now, but I'll definitely send it to you, Jason. Thank you so much, Moments. Thank you, um, Fabian. And yes, 6.30 this evening, we're going to be heading on over to Game Changers with Fabian Lyons. So for those of you who are here in the space on Clubhouse, go ahead, click on Fabian's um, PTR, his profile, and, you know, join, follow him if you're not already doing so and follow his club so that you will get the alert when the room is open because it's a conversation that we've been having for some time. Will it go away? I don't think so. But I'm going to make one last comment before I move on to the next story. I remember when Barack Obama was being, um, when he was campaigning. And I remember, you know, my dad saying, oh, we'll never have a black president in the U.S. And I'm like, you know what? I think it will happen. We're probably not ready for it now. So I didn't expect it to happen. And that's the truth. I did not expect it to happen now. He most certainly did not. So when Barack became president, he said something. My father said, let's be frank. The reason he became president, it's because he's not 100% Negro. As somebody who works on... Hold on one second, Jason. Jason, hold on. Jason, hold on, hold on, hold on one second. Right. So he said um, the reason he was embraced is because he's mixed. And it is a shame, but it's the truth. That's what my father said. Now, as I'm seeing this, and then we see Kamala, Kamala, the Indians would say Kamala, is there some truth to that? to what he has mentioned. Go ahead, Jason. So to, to, I worked on both campaigns. I worked on Barack's and I worked on Kamala's. And your father's completely right. But, it, but, it, but it, it's, it's a combination. That's not the only thing. Um, Barack, like, like Martin, was also extremely charismatic, as, as you know. 
and he did the market he he was picture perfect marketing in terms of the campaign and black didn't necessarily help in that conversation i'll be honest with you and and i say this because before new hampshire black people were saying the same thing your father was saying jamaicans were saying the same thing you're saying nigeria people all people of color were saying exactly the same thing your father was saying. They were not signing up for Barack. They were signing up for Hillary because they didn't want to waste time on somebody that was not going to win the election. Now, I bring up New Hampshire because he actually lost in New Hampshire. However, the speech, the Yes, We Can speech, which is the PR component, that Change that that started to change minds, and then the white people went over in droves because of the yes weekend speech. But they were comfortable; those white people were comfortable because his mother was white, and we were doing polls and surveys at the same time. That's why I can say this confidently in the moment as it was happening. And then, so once the white people were comfortable, then they showed they were going to vote for Barack, and then black people now saw wait, this guy might win, then they switched over and, and supported Barack. So yes, your father is completely correct. This is exactly what happened. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Jason. We're going to keep it moving. On to the next story. We head on over. This one is of interest. The link is ping, ping, pinged or pinned. I can't even talk this morning. Pinned at the top. Biden to ask for approval of $1.1 billion arms sale to Taiwan. So we're not going to Ukraine this time. Now it's Taiwan. Are we on the brink of something? Is something burgeoning? The United States President Joe Biden plans to ask Congress to approve an estimated $1.1 billion arms sale to the self-ruled island of Taiwan, including, here we go, 60 anti-ship missiles and 100 air-to-air missiles, according to Politico. The package, which is still in an early stage, includes 60 AGM-84L Harpoon Block II missiles, valued at $355 million, 100 AIM-9X Block II Sidewinder uh, tactical air-to-air missiles for $85.6 million, and $665.4 million for a surveillance radar contract extension. Three people familiar with the matter disclose this when speaking with Politico. Yep, Taiwan, which is claimed by Beijing, is one of the region's most vibrant democracies, and the U.S. is bound by law to provide Taiwan with the means to defend itself. The report of the new weapons comes amid heightened tension with China, which has not ruled out the use of force to take, to take control of Taiwan, staging unprecedented military drills in the sea and air around the island following the visit this month by U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. On Sunday, the U.S. said it had sent off uh, two of its warships through the strait in a freedom of navigation exercise. Once the Biden administration formalizes the notification, the deal will need approval from the Foreign Affairs Committees of Congress. The legislators are expected to approve the sale. How do we feel about this one? Do I feel that they're putting wood in the fire right now? Yeah. Granted, I do have a question, though. In this situation, it's the sale. 
of arms to Taiwan. Why weren't the arms sold to the Ukraine? Every piece of military equipment that has been sent to Ukraine, why weren't they billed for it? But by law, there has to be some contractual agreement somewhere. We are sending the, 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 the value of $1.1 billion to Taiwan, but it's a sale. What's the difference between Taiwan and Ukraine? interesting and i'm waiting to hear more or you know but then again will more come to the surface is anybody else asking the question will congress will anyone in congress ask the question will anyone within the democratic party ask the question why mr president is this a sale but what went to ukraine was free Almost $50 billion has gone to Ukraine already. Go right ahead. Good morning. Good morning, Javet. Did you say in the article that we were bind yeah. to sell arms to them? Mm -hmm. So that means there must be some type of written agreement from something that happened back when. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. Taiwan, Javet, which is claimed by Beijing, is one of the region's most vibrant democracies and the U.S. is bound by law to provide Taiwan with the means to defend itself. Hmm. All right, so you know me. Let me hop on over to Google because let's see if we can get a little more insight into this because, yes, you're right, there may be some contractual agreement dating back okay taiwan relations act onto wikipedia we go let's see what it says the taiwan relations act tra enacted april 10 1979 is an act of the united states congress since the formal recognition of the people's republic of china the act has defined the officially substantial but non-diplomatic relations between usa and taiwan in 1978, the Chinese Communist Party, CCP, Administration of the People's Republic of China, claimed to be in a united front with the U.S., Japan, and Western Europe against the Soviets and thus established diplomatic relations with the United States in 1979. The CCP also supported American Operation Cyclone actions in communist Afghanistan and leveled a military expedition against Vietnam. America's main antagonist in Southeast Asia. In exchange for this consideration by the CCP, the Carter administration canceled the Sino-American Mutual Defense Treaty with the Republic of China. The Republic of China government mobilized its ethnic lobby in the United States to lobby Congress for the swift passage of an American security guarantee for the island. Taiwan could appeal to members of Congress on many fronts. Anti-communist China sentiment, a shared wartime history with the Republic of China, Beijing's human rights violations, and its curtailment of religious freedoms. The act does not recognize the terminology of Republic of China after 
January 1, 1979, but uses the terminology of governing authorities on Taiwan. Geographically speaking, and following the similar content in the earlier defense treaty from 1955, it defines the term Taiwan to include, as the context may require, the island of Taiwan, the Pescadores, and the other islands of archipelagos under the control of Republic of China, which include Kinmen and Matsus. So there is an there is um, information in the documents, um, Javette, dating back then to 1979. So we're still paying. Basically, we're still paying for the Vietnam War. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, Phil, I'm gonna bring you up so you can make your cup. boy, Javette. What can I say? What can I say? Nouvelle, I sent you the invite because I know you said in the chat you do have a question. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ah, Javette, 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 Javette. Yeah. <sighs> Never see smoke without fire, right? Uh, Nouvelle, are you coming? Because I sent you the invite because I got to keep it moving. Are you coming up? Or do you want to put your question in the comment and I read it for you? Let me know. Good morning, all. Good morning, Sonette. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to have to keep it moving because, of course, we are time sensitive. All right. So, yeah. The Solomon Islands suspends all naval visits, according to the U.S. Embassy, courtesy of Al Jazeera News. The Solomon Islands has told the United States it is suspending all Navy ships from entering its ports. In a statement on Tuesday, the U.S. Embassy in the Australian capital, Canberra, said it has received formal notification from the government of Solomon Islands regarding a moratorium on all naval visits, pending updates in protocol procedures. There was no immediate comment from the government of the Solomons. The move came a week after a U.S. Coast Guard vessel was blocked from refueling on... I can't pronounce it. Anybody knows how to pronounce the capital of Solomon Islands? Is it Onaira? I hope that's right. The USCGC Oliver Henry was on patrol for illegal fishing, and we reported this, I think it was last week, in the South Pacific for a regional fisheries agency when it failed to obtain entry to refuel. The vessel was instead diverted to Papua New Guinea. The British Royal Navy did not comment directly on reports that the HMS Bay, also taking part in Operation Island Chief, was also denied a port call in the Solomon Islands. Ships' programs are under constant review, and it is routine practice for them to change, the Royal Navy said in a statement. For reasons of operational security, we do not discuss details. The Royal Navy looks forward to visiting the Solomon Islands at a later date. Both the Solomon Islands and China have denied their pact will lead to a Chinese military foothold in the South Pacific. Although a leaked draft of the agreement showed the security agreement would allow the Chinese Navy to dock and replenish. <laughs> wow. Is there further division happening? People are jumping ship or if they were not on board of the U.S., now they have totally align themselves with China? Is there a shifting 
of what what I refer to the U.S. Remember back in the day, the U.S. and the Russia they were and Russia were referred to as what superpowers? Were the you know yeah what, what's happening here, U.S. You no longer have any clout. Look at little Solomon Islands. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. But China was allowed to have their naval ships dock and replenish. What does that say about us? What is the subliminal message or what is the blatant message that's being sent to the White House? As it relates to as it relates to geopolitics. Go ahead, Javette. Go right ahead. That we better get our stuff straight because they're coming for us. Yeah. Wake up. Wake up. Wake the heck up is the message that's being sent. If you're asleep. U.S., pay attention. I've said this several times. The playbook that they have in hand, they just like the Constitution, written how many centuries ago, they're still using that today. They're still holding on to laws and bylaws from then, not understanding that the landscape has changed. Things have changed. And the generation coming behind us, they better take that back to the drawing board and rethink how they're going <laughs> to govern this country. There's a different breed behind us. Another reason that we have to vote these old politicians out. Mm -hmm. Just another reason. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They need to get up to speed. They're antique in their ideas their ideologies and what gets me is that they are not willing to listen Th that's what i feel they're not willing to listen it's their way and no other way because we wrote our forefathers wrote it and that's what we're sticking to there's a shift and it's coming it's inevitable good morning was it dr daphne Yes, ma'am. Good morning. Morning. Well, the reason they're not shifting is survival of the race. And a lot of the bylaws and the laws that were written made them a lot of money. And they secure a lot of their money they, from taxes. And and they keep the generational wealth growing. So you're asking people who are benefiting from the status quo to change it. Of course, that's not going to happen. The so-called youth... That depends how much of the wealth they are living and they're enjoying it. They, too, may not want to change it because it's benefit them. So it's, it's, it's whatever. I don't like the word supremacy, so I don't use it. Mm -hmm. it's, that's why these things are ancient because from the beginning of time, since slavery in this country particularly, the law was written to honor the slave masters and the slave owners, and it's all about money. I don't see it changing simply because it's currency. It's, you know, I'm repeating myself, it's, it's beneficial to them. Mm -hmm. Changing it, how can they guarantee to be financially independent, to be, to pass along all that wealth to their generation to 
to follow. If they figure that out, they will do it. You understand? And the nonprofits and all of those so-called fluffy observing humanity who dominate because there's money in it for them. So voting alone is not going to be it. And I think we need to start voting with our credit card and with our cash and that currency. And that's how we get their attention. Happy right. All right. Thank you. So let me read a couple of comments from the chat. Now that other countries see that the Chinese will invest and back them, they are now brave enough to stand up to the U.S.'s bullying tactics. The world has been bullied for too long by the U.S. and slowly finding the balls to stand up. Thank you, Dre. Another comment from the chat. They embrace the old law because they want to stay in power forever in alignment with what you just um, expounded on, Dr. Daphne. Thank you, MJ. Yeah. But I, I guarantee you, it's not nothing lasts forever. Absolutely nothing. And I believe, yes, the, the, the grandparents who are in Congress right now and the parents who are in Congress right now, do I believe they're grooming their children? Yes, I do. I think they are pounding into their heads a particular mindset to make them a mindset of superiority and driving home the need of preservation. And, through, and the only way to preserve is to maintain. I do believe they're being taught that. But I also believe that there is the possibility that there can come a change, that others may position themselves, and you said it right, Dr. Daphne, we have to do it through voting. So they may be in for a rude awakening and find themselves outnumbered with a different brood of people with a different mindset. So it may not happen in our lifetime. We may not live to see it. But if our spirits are roaming, I'm sure we'll see it one day happen. Yeah, I do believe things are happening. But, you know, the U.S. needs to, as I said, and, and with what Dre mentioned in the chat, the U.S. needs to revisit its tactics and see how effective the same monotone way of doing things is. Is it relative today? Are you really reaping the benefits of that mindset. You got to change, right? Can't stay the same forever. Canada spy smuggled UK Shamima Begum into Syria. And the story is courtesy of Al Jazeera. Mohammed Al-Rashid, a spy working for Canadian intelligence, smuggled British schoolgirl Shamima and her two friends into Syria in 2015. According to a new book and British media reports that prompted demands for an official inquiry. The Secret History of the Five Eyes by Richard Kerbage, a former security correspondent of the Sunday Times, said that the United Kingdom later conspired with Canada to cover up the role of the Canadian Security Intelligence Service, CSIS, in the case of Begum, who married an ISIL-ISIS fighter. A CSIS spokesperson told the BBC he could not publicly comment on or confirm or deny the specifics of CSIS investigations, operational interests, methodology. You know what? Somebody said a word for me this morning. Method 
apologies. <laughs> I'm laughing at myself today. You know what I'm trying to say. Or activities. Kerbadge's book, based on interviews with world leaders and more than 100 intelligence officials, was published on Wednesday. Five Eyes is the intelligence sharing alliance between the UK, the US, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. So, according to British media reports, the UK's Scotland Yard was told that the teenagers were trafficked into Syria by Rashid who was a double agent working for the ISIL armed group and Canadian intelligence. He was recruited by Canada as a spy when he applied for asylum at the Canadian embassy in Jordan. An inquiry was demanded on Tuesday as it emerged that Canada knew about the teenager's fate, but kept silent while the British Metropolitan Police Service ran an international search for the trio. Canada privately admitted its involvement, involvement sorry, only when it fared being exposed after Rashid was arrested by Turkey in 2015 and then successfully asked the British to cover up its role, the book claimed. Question, should this man fare for his life as details are emerging and it is put in a book that is published? Will he go missing for airing the laundry of the UK? Go ahead, go right ahead, go ahead, Savannah. I'm, I'm sorry, this story is kind of confusing. So I, I'm trying to understand somebody smuggled some women for uh, one of those trades and now the secret is out is that what you're saying okay all right and there is more that's a part of it all right so the latest revelations reopened the debate of a stripping begum the young lady who was um, smuggled as a teenager of her british citizenship she was born in britain smuggled into syria ended up marrying the isis isil isis um man I think if I'm not mistaken, let me go a little further. Hold on. So stripping her of her British citizenship, as it shows that an asset of Western intelligence gave practical help for her journey to Syria. There was no mention, sorry, that the British authorities knew how she was smuggled into Syria in last year's Supreme Court judgment, upholding the decision to bar her from returning to the UK. So, the UK deems her a threat because she is, quote-unquote, a part of ISIL or ISIS, the fact that she married this man. Um, she's now 23 years old. She remains in a camp in northern Syria. She is to renew her case at the Special Immigration Appeals Commission in November. Um, her family has a lawyer. The lawyer has called for an inquiry into what the police and intelligence services knew. The big question is, how did she end up getting smuggled into Syria by this Canadian, well, this person who became a Canadian spy, but is working on both sides of the fence? Why her? What is her relevance and her two friends when they were teenagers? 
Okay, I get it now. She's trying to get back home. Right. <laughs> okay. And they're trying to block it. Right. Because technically, they don't know whether she's been turned. Facts. Okay, I get it now. I get it. Facts. That's it. Now, let me but ask But the original you. part is she was stolen. That's the part. Right. That's it. Right. That's it Got right it. there. So my question, Javette, is this. If she was stolen, that was against her will. Shouldn't the UK government take into consideration that now you're dealing with someone who has been brainwashed? Someone who has gone under some form of persecution, indoctrination, and so technically you should not hold it against her. And not let us say, don't I would say don't strip her of her citizenship. Because that's where she was born. When you strip her, where, where does she go? Does she now take on the citizenship of Syria? Probably not. I don't know. What what is what should really happen to her, Javet? I think they should let her back in and just get her some mental health services. For me, the story stop at the fact that she was smuggled, snacked out. Trauma number one, went through whole life through that process, trauma number two. So now you add into the fact that she can't come home. Yeah, all of the concern may, be, may have been true, but it's just women. Like this stuff to put women to, to me in this world, worldwide, is unbelievable. You understand? I'm pretty sure, I don't know. I'm going to stop there because we're on, on, yeah. um, on, on the radio, yeah. It's crazy to me. I feel it. Thank you. Thank you, ladies. Um, Nouville, are you ready to speak? Because I noticed you say you have a question. Okay. Um, Empress Ronnie in the comments said, yes, he should fear for his life. I feel so too. Whenever anyone is brave enough to put information forward, intel out there, they're subjecting themselves to becoming a target. Right? Um. Nouvelle, are you ready to open your mic? All right, I got to keep it moving, all right? Next story. Um, Mikhail Gorbachev, I'm sure we've all heard by now, has died. Uh, the story courtesy of Al Jazeera, the rise and fall of the last Soviet leader. Former Soviet leader Mikhail Gorbachev, whose reforms put an end to the nuclear arms race in the Cold War, has died. He was 91. Deeply revered in the West, where he was nicknamed Gorby, Gorbachev was in many ways a nemesis to Soviet leader Joseph Stalin, who built the Iron Curtain, turned most of Eastern Europe into a block of Moscow's satellites, and challenged Washington's political supremacy in a Manichaean confrontation that put the world on the brink of nuclear annihilation. Gorbachev, the last leader of the Soviet Union, reversed the course laid down by Stalin and his successors in a series of somewhat idealistic and incoherent steps he called pre what is this prehistorical not sure and glasnost reconstruction and openness let's see that in english then okay reconstruction and openness however he saw his work as a turn as a return to the principles of soviet founder vladimir lenin is there any other name in russia beside vladimir and an attempt to rebuild the failing command economy 
and humanized the rigorous communist doctrine. In a word, freedom came to the USSR, to Russia. He said in a 2011 television show dedicated to the 25th anniversary, adding that in theory and in practice, we tried to get back to Lenin's legacy. In the late 1980s, he stood as a political colossus, but his feet turned out to be made of clay. Oh, interesting. In 1991, Soviet collapse was also actuated by record low oil prices that could no longer keep the Soviet economy afloat. Even more lethal to Gorbachev, Gorbachev's domestic policies was a power play between him and his main rival, Boris Yeltsin, who declared Russia's independence from the rest of the USSR. Although nine Soviet republics, including Russia, voted to stay together in a 1991 referendum. His good intentions paved the way for a string of inter hold on, what is this? A string of inter-ethnic conflicts. Okay, I can't read today, folks. Please forgive me. In the former Soviet Union and plunged Russia and the 14 newly independent ex-Soviet republics into a decade of painful economic transition and political upheavals. Okay, so passing of a generation him go ahead Sonette. no you go right ahead the only thing every time him says mikhail gorbachev the only thing i think about is a man with a stain on his head so but i don't remember that much about him but i was younger i guess yeah i rem- remember him i remember in my youth um Sinet, hearing the name a lot right but um his contribution i never followed up because I'll be honest, growing up, Russia was always painted in a negative light. So you would never pay attention. And Russia was looked at um, the devil, right? That's how they were portrayed in media. You turn on the, the, the television and everything, Russia was just bad. There was nothing good. No good person came out of Russia. And that went on for a long time. And I want to say, unfortunately, and this is how... Um, what is fed to you can play a role in shaping your ideologies and your outlook. And that's why we have to be so careful what we ingest and how much of it we ingest because it's not necessarily a good thing because now you have these preconceived ideas. You've never been to Russia. You've never had a relationship with a Russian. You've never spoken to a Russian. You don't understand what's going on in Russia. And just as I tell people there are different Jamaicas within Jamaica, I'm sure it's the same thing in Russia. But the media made us in the Western world look at Russia as being pure evil. And because of that, I did not care to find out more about this country. I remember when my parents were going to Russia um, to visit, I was like, oh, my God. I hope they come back. I hope they make it back. And it was at that moment when they returned and they were telling me about Russia that I started to see them in a different light. Did my opinion of them change 100%? No, because what was embedded in my mind was years of the same thing being heard over and over again. I hope I'm making sense. 
Of course, you're wondering. making sense. Okay. Go ahead. Thank I was, you. I'm Go wondering ahead, what um I'm wondering how the um the Putin regime felt about Gorbachev. Mm. And like I mean, he came in after Stalin and he was different, like, because Stalin obviously was bad, the worst communism you could have. But um, I wonder how Putin's regime feels about him. And hopefully we'll see something on the news about it. Yes. If they celebrate him or if they go, okay, he's dead, bye-bye. But I think the country as a, as a whole would probably celebrate him and then what would the regime, the government do? I'm just speaking. Yeah, that's a good point, Sunet. That's a very good point. Let's, I'm sure there's going to be more that will be brought to the forefront, right? All right, go ahead, Fabian. Go right ahead. Yeah, good morning, all again. Um, wow, I, I don't see any way Putin could like this guy because this guy stands for everything that uh, Putin does not, you know, just in terms of uh, control, communism, and the like. And um, I don't know. Wow, I'd forgotten about this guy. I didn't even know he was still alive, but... You remember him and Reagan and uh, back in the 80s. And, and as you said, uh, moments, all the propaganda and that Russia is such a the evil empire, so to speak. And just to find out now that uh, he actually brokered that whole that whole uh, that whole image there as far as uh, Russia and opening it up uh, to kind of to the Western world. So interesting, interesting. But we'll see how he's uh, kind of remembered by by Russians. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much, everyone. Yeah, so Russia. This is the last story in the international scene. We had a lot of international stories today that prompted good conversation, courtesy of Al Jazeera. Russia to launch major military drills with China and others. And who are the others? Syria, India, Nicaragua. And these military maneuvers will be held September 1 through 7. Russia said it will launch sweeping military drills together with forces from China to show off increasingly close defense ties between Moscow and Beijing amid the war in Ukraine. The Vostok 22, otherwise called East 2022, this exercise will be held September 1 to 7 in various locations in Russia's Far East and the Sea of Japan, and involve more than 50,000 troops and 5,000 weapons units, including 140 aircraft and 60 warships, according to the Russian Defense Ministry. It released a video of Chinese troops arriving in Russia in preparation for the massive exercise. The drills will be conducted at seven firing ranges in Far East Russia and will engage troops from, ex from several ex-Soviet unions, China, India, Laos, Mongolia, Nicaragua, and Syria. The ministry said units of Russian airborne troops, long-range bombers, and military cargo planes will take part in the drills along with other forces. While first announcing the exercise last month, the Russian military emphasized it is part of planned combat training that is continuing despite Moscow's military action in Ukraine. It has not disclosed the number of troops engaged in what the Kremlin calls the special military operation there. The ministry noted as part of the maneuvers, the Russian and Chinese navies in the Sea of Japan will practice joint action to protect sea communications areas of marine economic activity, and support for ground troops in coastal areas. Um, oh. <laughs> Here is why I am laughing, right? Nicaragua. 
<laughs> right there in Central America. Didn't I the heard Laos? I'm sorry. When you said Laos, I was like, "What? They're involved in military?" Okay, <laughs> go on. But here is why I'm pointing out Nicaragua, uh, Sonet, the geographical location of Nicaragua. Right? Didn't the U.S. impose sanctions on Nicaragua when they had the Summit of the Americas? Remember, Nicaragua was not included in the Summit of the Americas. Nicaragua, Venezuela, and Cuba were locked out of the Summit of the Americas, which I thought was a dangerous move by the U.S. Because, number one, and this was a concern for other leaders within the Caribbean, how can you have a Summit of the Americas and exclude countries that are part of the Americas? All because you have imposed sanctions because you don't agree with their humanitarian policies. Instead of thinking, you know something, let us open the doors, let them in, have conversation, get a better understanding, and who to tell, we may be able to change their way of thinking, but no, you blot them out. Now Nicaragua has formed alliances, if they weren't there before, with China and Russia. Here we go. Look where Nicaragua is located. <sighs> interesting, interesting, interesting. Very interesting, Sunet. Where is, um, what's the country I said? Where are they located? Where's that country? Ah, uh, da, da, da. So, you know, I'm going to pull up the map, right? <laughs> Le is it Laos? Yeah, L-A-O-S. Where are they located exactly? Oh, it's close to Vietnam, I believe. Oh, okay. All right. Thank you for that, Anuvu. So, uh, good morning, everyone. By the way, good morning, beautiful people. Um, great job, moment thus far. Very informative. Keep going. Love listening to you in the morning. <laughs> thank you, Newville. Appreciate it. So, and thank you to Empress. Um, so let me. I went to Wikipedia. So, Laos is a South Asian, Southeast Asian country traversed by the Mekong River and known for its mountainous terrain. Go right ahead, Sunet. It's Laos. It's like Laos. Laos. Oh, that's the yeah. proper pronunciation. Thank yeah. you. Laos and Vietnam, they're right next to each other. Ah, they are landlocked. Okay. Vietnam on the east, Thailand on the west, China to the north, Myanmar. Is it Myanmar, Sunet? That's correct. Okay, Myanmar to the... So Myanmar is to the direct... West Thailand is west going down to the south, Vietnam from the east to the south, and then to the direct south, you have Cambodia. So they're surrounded by one, two, three, four, five countries. Okay, what's the pronunciation again? Laos, say it again, Sonet. Laos, Laos. Okay, so interestingly, I did some research, right. Because, you know, sometimes I struggle with the pronunciation of certain words, right? Words that you would think, okay, why is she struggling with that? That should be easy to pronounce, right? So I did some research. And I found out something pretty interesting. While there are benefits to speaking more than one language, they can also be a hindrance. Did you know that? Yeah. 
because you're you're looking at the word in different accents and you're not sure which way to pronounce it and then you get instead of getting tongue twisted you get like brain twisted so jamaicans speak both two languages whether you want to accept it or not we speak patois and we speak english then when you think of somebody that speaks english patois and spanish and then you think of uh, people that speak french and spanish and, <laughs> and you just keep adding you can get a little confused oh it was interesting to find that out i meant to bring it up the other day but i know someone opened their mic go right ahead yeah moments um just a just a quick thought for 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 people that speak multiple languages right one of the things that i wonder at times is when you when you dream what language are you dreaming in <laughs> and also to like and like you know how you have your inner voice when you're thinking about what to say first before you say it mm-hmm. you know what i mean like is it the like their mother tongue, whether it be Russian or whatever, and then they're converting that into English to, you know, communicate. Like, I always think about stuff like that. Are there any uh, multilingual people in the room that could answer that question for me? Because I'm very curious. So, okay, let me speak from my experience, and then I'll definitely open up the mic. So I hmm. speak three languages, Spanish, English, and Patois. I don't care. Take on the patois from it. Come and chat the patois, right? I'm, I'm going I'm to hit back and say it's Jamaican, not patois. Okay, Jamaican, so that. <laughs> Jamaican patois. <laughs> no, so that is right, though, because you have different versions of patois, right? So she is right. So I speak Jamaican patois. Look a bit of Spanish, look a bit of English, me chat the three of them, right? So you do get confused sometimes i'm not gonna lie and in reading and here's where i when i'm reading it i don't notice it but i have listened to the replays and i'm like why am i rolling my r there or why am i doing that there yeah so there is a little confusion but somebody else go ahead of me um yeah virginia says she dreams in english french and spanish emperor said that is true wow interesting that's awesome that's awesome what a motivation for me to pick up another language you know what i mean you don't speak french French. i speak a little bit but i only know all the inappropriate words oh lord have mercy you live in canada you should learn french come on i know it's 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 disgraceful but no for real it's it's a beautiful language okay so one word from coming from the chat so sula says i speak arab arabic is it should i say arabic or arabic or arabic arabic ah arabic. so now ah i'm glad i brought up sula thank you for this comment let me finish sula's comment and then i'm gonna say something so i speak arabic and english and i dream and think in both languages before speaking even translate before speaking depend on who i'm talking to so that word depending on is there the an incorrect pronunciation for that word because I think it depends on your tongue. It could be Arabic for some, Arabic for others. Is there a mispronunciation for that word? Hi, for me, every region have the accent. And if we are, whose pronunciation do we follow? You know, 
because we here in the Eastern are saying words one way, depending from the Caribbean, because you Jamaican have a different accent in Haitian, they're different islands, right? Mm-hmm. French, when I, a lot of the time, when I see some word, I don't know how to pronounce it. I just say it in English, in French, mm. because um, right? It's so, you ask the person that you're talking to, hey, this is how I say this particular word. How do you people in your country say it? Even in their country, they have different dialect. So we just have to be diligent and, and, and learn from the people. If you have to give a speech, I'll contact somebody. Hey, I'm getting ready to give a speech on your part of the country. These are the words that I have to say. Would you teach me how to do it? I ask for somebody to teach me. But if I'm talking to you guys, I'm going to say it. If you don't understand it, I'll, I I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but this should... come for Sonny's Rescue, every part of Canada does not speak French. It's only Quebec. If he live in Quebec, then he will learn how to speak French. But the rest of the country speak English. So I'll, he get a pass on that. Yeah, he'll get a pass. I, you're right. You're absolutely right. My my cousin, she lives in Quebec and she speaks both French yeah. and, and, and English. Yeah. Um, yeah, so dialect is different. This... Even in America, the New Yorkers speak different than the Southern, in the middle um, region. So just just be patient and ask. Yeah, you're right. Thank you, Dr. Dab. Go ahead, Javette. And that's what I was going to say, because even in America, where I live, it's pronounced Houston, right? Right. If you in Manhattan, they say Houston. Mm. So it's not even overseas. It's even with the American. I think what distinguishes it is your tongue and how your tongue moves to enunciate certain letters. Right. Right. Interesting. Oh, wait, wait. We're just obnoxious in New York. It's 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 Houston Street, but we know the city's Houston. We know that. <laughs> and also, the fun, the funny thing too, though, is Quebec. You said Quebec, and I've always said Quebec because I know people who are Quebecois, right? Mm. So how, like, did even that word or the name of that country? Yeah, that's right. Because I say Quebec. If I yeah, if I'm speaking French, I'll say Quebec. But since I hear people in English say Quebec, so I just follow. But for me, it's Quebec. Like a lot of the word Arabic, I don't say or I I I say these words in. Just say them in French. I move on. Oh, interesting. The the tongue is an interesting thing, right? Good morning, moments. Good uh, morning. Good morning. It's Virginia Beard. Yeah, I have to go to a meeting in three minutes. That's why I'm always in the uh, in the audience here. <laughs> That's okay. We appreciate you, Virginia. Thanks. I love I love this conversation because I studied linguistics um, and and phonetics and grammatical pronunciation uh, and grammatics in 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 school. So it, if the if the uh, if the human tongue allows you to say a particular vowel or consonant in a certain way, then um, then you can say it. Like for example, um, the A R A B I C. Some people will say Arabic, and other people will say Arabic. So it's supposed to be pronounced with a long A, right? So you say Arabic, but some people will say Arabic because there's just so many vowels to wrap your ha- your mind and your tongue around that it gets confusing because it's a um, un it's an unnatural word in the English language compared to other words, right? right and the yeah. same, yeah. And the same goes for Quebec, right? Um, if your English, if your mother tongue is English, you'd be inclined to say Quebec or Quebec, right? Because English words you would pronounce 
um, the QUE that way. But if you are, um, uh, if your mother tongue is French, then you're naturally inclined to say Quebec, right? Ah. Because that because that's the way those letters are pronounced in the French language. Uh, and the same goes for Quebecois, right? Um, it's, it's unnatural for an English mother tongue to say, to see the C-O-I-S at the end of Quebecois and pronounce that the way the French do, quoi. They would more, they'd be more inclined to say um, coes or coice or just like make the C hard instead of with like a Q W or Q U, right? So it, it it all depends on how you learn your phonetics as your mother tongue develops as a child, right? And and those that speak multiple language languages are at an um, advantage because they have the added linguistics of pronunciation in their tongue as they're learning these other languages. Mm. Yeah. Okay, my meeting's starting in one minute. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Virginia. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for the comments. So I'm saying all of, it to, all of that to say this. Please forgive me when I mispronounce words or I stumble over that <laughs> because I'm seeing something else and I'm hearing something else, but something else is coming out, right? So there's confusion sometimes. Um, so there are times when I will go out and I'm, having a conversation with someone for example i go to the restaurant and um i will tell them when when they will be talking to me in spanish because they assume i'm latino i don't know why um but i'm like no lo siento pero yo no hablo and they're like ah sí 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 tú hablas tú hablas i'm like no 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 perdóname pero yo no comprendo nada and they they continue the conversation i i understand what they're saying but for the fear of not wanting to say the wrong thing, I try my best to avoid speaking to them in Spanish. Does that make sense? No, you should always try. Your accent is perfect, so continue speaking Spanish. Yo, I would also try to, you know, add a little axial grave upon the SMPs. Yo, moments, you can mispronounce as many words as you, you know want. What, because your voice is just a godsend. So... Yeah, but I hear you, but no apology needed. So keep talking. <laughs> All right, thank you so much. Hold on, moments. Can you say the word hierarchy? Hierarchy. Yeah. Oh my God. When I was learning English, that was the worst word. <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell you something, Dr. Daphne? I, I took two years of French, right? And uh, let me tell you what I learned. Kelleratil. Um, and I learned to sing this song. Oh my gosh, no, oh god, not the voulez-vous coucher with yes, no, 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 that no, 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 there's another one. Oh my gosh, oh my god, no, the papillon song, sing that one, Sonette. Let me see if it's that one. I can't remember it now. It's the papillon song, I think. Something, yeah. My God, I hated that song. That, that's, that's about it. <laughs> and Kelleratil, I remember that clearly. Keeler. Thank you, Keeleratil. <laughs> I remember that. So you see my mispronunciation. Because I remember we went on a cruise and we stopped in Martinique. 
And my mom says she's not getting off. So my dad and I got off and we were roaming the streets and we needed to get back to port by a certain time. Didn't have a watch on us. And we're like, so we had to stop somebody. And I was like, that was the only thing I could ask them. <laughs> and then I remember counting, right? On the truck, whatever, you know the numbers. But um, yeah, I, I failed French miserably because everything to me sounded the same. When you had to do orals where, you know, the, the teacher would read the things to you and you have to write what you hear. I failed miserably. That was two years of my life wasted. I'm sorry. Moment. This is another um, aspect where we are color people use to hurt one another. If you go in Haiti like me, I would not be welcome in the bourgeoisie circle really? because I don't speak French appropriately enough. They act like they speak better French than the French people than their own colonizer. <laughs> Them obnoxious bourgeoisie. I go to Haiti and I go to be pinning their butt on purpose. They create this whole fake me out language. Hey, it's my people. I could talk about them online. <laughs> For those of you that want to be offended, I don't care. Y'all know you're wrong. It's um, they literally you, me. Even if I speak French, my French they will call it. I'm poor. Like I got my education from the back of a truck because I don't do all that fairy shoo shoo. They hate, and then when they go to France. They don't even understand the language because they suck at it. So <laughs> don't feel bad. But I do have to push back. It's a romance language. It's the same alphabet, a tongue, and everything else. It's the same way. It's depending on who was teaching it to you. Mm -hmm. That's what mm -hmm. the problem was, okay? It's not necessary. And you probably believe you didn't practice. But um, yeah. it, it's, all a, it's a lot of variable where people don't learn languages. I learned Spanish. I went and volunteered in an organization where I was forced. When I learned sign language, I went and moved in with a deaf. I immersed myself when I'm learning a language because I know my tongue can't pronounce certain words. I don't care, but I just want to learn to communicate the language. That's all. I, that's how I do it. Yeah, I couldn't escape the Spanish, um, Dr. Daphne, because my mom taught Spanish, so I couldn't escape it. And then she would have Spanish weekends where her students, she would take them to a villa on the north coast and it's nothing but spanish for the weekend from the minute you pull up at the dr in the driveway and you get off the bus um it is spanish the only time you were allowed to speak english was when you were speaking to the the helpers that were there um but outside of that 24 7 spanish 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 nothing else so i was around that as a child a lot too so i had no choice yeah. and another thing that I, I did for me i learned the latin language rooted because in haiti when you're in school it's mandatory so i think that's the one reason why it made it easy for me to learn english spanish all this other language because i learned that first that's the first thing you know we learn outside of creole but it is it's just take work i love languages i love culture so every time i want to learn something i just do just move in go live in that world for a while yes yeah. i'm glad you brought up the point about latin and that is something i'm sorry they removed from the schools in jamaica because it's the root word for almost every, if not everything we say, I think, right? I remember my dad telling me when he was in school, you know, they had to do Latin. They, you know, and of course, Latin words are used heavily in the legal system in law. If you go to law school, you're, you're, you're using a lot of Latin lingo, right? So that's one thing I, I'm sorry they removed from schools in Jamaica. I would have loved to have learned it. And you know what? Yes, I can go and teach myself, right? 
Um, but yeah, it's time for the same way. It's not the same way. But we're, I don't know. Yeah, I took a look at it and the online. There's a certain flair of it, or I don't. I guess they're trying to make it easy. Sometimes when you're trying to make something easy, you take away its essence. Mm-hmm. It's not meant for it to be easy or difficult. It's just meant for you to practice in and then learn the proper way to do things. And I find that and um, attempting to make it easy some of the, the essence of it is gone, gone. away yeah. yeah all right well thank you everyone for the conversation so far time for us to take another quick music break here is some more coffee for us she is our hashtag wcw artist for today break it stores out of north america here's what we have coming up new new york city announces debt relief plan for taxi drivers documents likely concealed at donald trump's florida home 1.34 billion dollar lottery prize still unclaimed officers seize a shipment of baby wipes that turned out to be 11.8 million dollars worth of cocaine a man's intoxicated target practice kills a neighbor Colorado teen shot and killed while filming a TikTok dance video. And the father who boarded school bus to curse out school kids says daughter had been bullied and jumped. So keep it locked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now we're making a connection. Yeah. And we don't need no correction. Yeah. So lessons in your direction. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah.
phone call. Baby, don't go. go, go, go. You are my love, so me give you my heart. I don't mind holding you, so you don't fall. I don't mind holding you, so you don't fall. So you don't fall. to all the listeners logged on to qmzradio.com the quality music zone johnoradio.com and everyone here with me on clubhouse where the conversation happens i'm moments with me you're listening to coffee and toe world news on the go every monday through friday starting at 9 a.m to 12 p.m eastern where i read the news and we share our views it is hashtag WCW Woman Crush Wednesday. Today we're crushing on coffee through music. Yes, I'm gonna wake up. Yeah, money make and I make up. Yeah, me go straight for the paper. Yeah, tell you wait, see you later. Mr. Pot, everybody look like what? Mr. First, and say how you look like that. I top every cranny, every nook. Yeah, I'm a stick of every chicken out of the book. We got a lot of books, catch longer than a bus. We some warriors, looking at your heart through the cardio. I gotta give a toast to Javette on Clubhouse. It's her Clubhouse anniversary. One year. One year. One year, Javette. Yep, one year. All right. Thank you once again to everyone online listening on johnorader.com. Don't forget to download the John Radio app available in your Apple and Google Play stores. J-A-H-K-N-O. Take us on the go. And for quality music while you work or play, log on to qmzradio.com. The quality music zone will definitely help you get you through your day. And it's time for us to get into the stories out of North America. Thank you for that one, Coffee Toast. All right, life-saving 
NYC announces debt relief plan for taxi drivers. The story courtesy of Al Jazeera News. So New York City taxi drivers who owe hundreds of thousands of dollars in loans they took out to operate yellow cabs will see their burdens reduced substantially under a new debt relief program. Under the program announced on Tuesday by city officials, the New York Taxi Workers Alliance and taxi medallion lender Marblegate Asset Management, loans for 3,000 drivers who owe an average of $550,000 will be reconstructed to a maximum of $200,000. Of that, $30,000 will be covered by a grant and the balance will be secured by a city-backed guarantee the official said. The city-backed guarantee means that drivers won't risk losing their homes if they default. It's life-saving and it's historic. Many taxi drivers who borrowed to buy the medallions that are required to operate a yellow cab landed in deep debt when the value of a medallion plunged from more than $1 million in 2014 to $200,000 a few years later. Taxi industry representatives blamed predatory lending practices in the United States, as well as ride-hailing services like Uber for the crisis. City officials, the Taxi Alliance, and Marblegate reached a tentative debt relief agreement in November 2021 and worked out the details over the last several months. Under the plan announced on Tuesday, medallion owners can apply to refinance their loans starting September 19. Wow. What is exactly this medallion thing that you have to have to be able to drive a taxi in New York City? And why would you put someone in such deep debt to be able to earn a living? No different from student loans. You get these student loans to be able to earn a, a good, well, secure a good job, they say. I don't understand. Anybody familiar with the New York taxi system? Sure, you want to take it or you want me to take it? Probably go ahead, Sonette. Okay, Jay can get yeah, up. So yeah. a medallion is this um it's like a circular thing. It looks like it's like basically a shield. Mm-hmm. It's not a real shield. It's just a thing you attach to your to your cab. Um if you don't have a medallion, you don't have a right to drive a metered taxi in New York City. Okay. All right. So let me ask the next question now, Sonette. Thank you for explaining that. So it's like a lift sign that you'd put in your vehicle if you're a lift driver or the uber sign then am i right is it's kind of like that except it's i think it's metal or it may be some sort of composite by now that you actually attach to your vehicle so you'll see a taxi cab it has a medallion on it okay all right thank you for that my next question Sinet. why would someone owe five hundred and fifty thousand dollars as a taxi cab driver you have to buy your medallion. So, <laughs> hallelujah, Jesus. I almost cursed. I'm sorry. I almost cursed. You so, know, cursed. moments, the gentleman that started the whole medallion did a lot of cooking stuff at the beginning of the, they created a lot of, um, how do I say that cleanly and uh, politically correct? <laughs> it was making it a challenge for certain group of people to get a medallion for taxi in New York. And that's why Uber came and disrupted because of that. Because it was 
like people were losing their life saving and they had to have specific hours, specific date and to get their medallion. He was making people pay a lot of money. It's it's a you gotta go back and read the Uber story because he took Uber to court because of that. Once you read and go back to all that history, you'll understand why they owe so much money. Wow. Wow. So, okay, I'm trying to wrap my head around this whole thing, right? So I'm living in New York. I decide I want to become a taxi cab driver. You're telling me I have to come up with $500,000 for a medallion to be able... That means taxi it's drivers... For you, when you come up with that money moment, you don't own it. It's for rental. It's It's a nightmare. Okay, so I don't have to come up with it out front. So it's like every... Yeah, sometimes you do. Okay, so, okay, question, 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 question. How much money do taxi cab drivers make up there in a year? Not that much, my dear. They have to pay all that money up front. It, this is predatory. Like I said, I don't remember all the details because I followed that very clearly because one of my pet, my favorite thing to do is to follow disruptors of economy and systems. And I read extensively in Uber what it did to the medallion company because of all of that it was just not set up for the average joe to be successful with a medallion in new york they monopolized that field and that particular guy was in charge of that so i don't want to give the wrong amount in terms of number because i don't like that but um if i could find it i'll share it with you this is predatory this is predatory. This is shark tank-like behavior. To do this to people, that people are in debt $550,000, and then you're only going to reconstruct it to $200,000 for a medallion to be able to drive a taxi cab in New York City, and chances are you're probably not making $550,000 a year? Who the heck told this person that invented the medallion that they had the right to own New York. Because that's what it sounds like to me. I own this city, so you got to pay me to drive in my city. I own the block. No different from a drug dealer who owns the block and says, to be on my block, you gotta, I got to get a percentage of the profit that you're making selling the dope that I am giving you to sell. What's the difference? I think at some point they were able to like lease out their cars, their medallions to um, to other users so that they could continuously make money because of the fact that it costs so much. So if someone's running the cab 24 hours, then you would actually see a profit. But um, I'm not sure how much New York, if they were okay with it or if that was also frowned upon. But I remember hearing stories like that. Because the, the cost, it went up significantly in the 90s. But it had gone, and, and then it had gone down. You heard in the story you read that it was at one point a million dollars, and then the price dropped down <sighs> because it was because of Uber and Lyft. Yeah, one million in twenty fourteen, and dropped down to two hundred thousand a few um, years later. But Sonette, how it's it's slavery. It's literal slavery. Because think about this: you have a plantation, you set the slaves free. They can't leave because they have nowhere to go. So they have to turn around and work for you and you pay them little or nothing. Or you do this. You lease them the land and put them in a binding contract 
that they have to pay you till the day they die. Slavery was so much worse. It's it's a bad business practice. Well, so I don't want to say slavery. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a very, very, modern very day bad slavery business practice. Modern day slavery, son of modern day slavery. No. They work, they're, getting, they're earning their money. They're not working for free. And they're not being beaten while they do it. So it's indentured slavery. slavery? I take a hard stance on slavery. <laughs> indentured um, slavery so, then? Can we use indentured slavery? Sure. Okay. Let's go indentured. Okay. I'm still going to stick with very bad business practice. Okay. But you still can say indentured. <laughs> Yeah. But which demographic um, control runs the taxes up there? Because down here in, in, in Miami and Fort Lauderdale is the Haitians. Who does it up there? Middle Eastern. Middle Eastern. Mm. That's who's driving the taxes, but who runs the, in the, the system. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and hence and the changed. reason, like I told you, Pedro Toyo, behaviors always lend itself to our community. Exactly. You understand where, you know, somebody different from us and they manipulate, they push, they shove because they know you're desperate and you need to take care of your family. And they set up these ridiculous rules of engagement for it to even be successful. And at the end of the day, to me, I don't even, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Ben, that's why Uber, I was like, yes, yeah, stick it to him because I remember some family member was going to, to, so much back in the early late late 90s just to early 80s just to get a medallion it was it was crazy yeah all right next story donald trump tired of him documents likely concealed at donald trump's florida home officials say Courtesy of BBC.com, documents stored at former President Donald Trump's Florida home were likely concealed as part of an effort to obstruct an FBI investigation, Department of Justice officials say. In a court filing, the department said efforts were likely taken to obstruct the investigation into Mr. Trump's handling of classified material. The filing was a response to Mr. Trump's request for an independent party to oversee part of the ongoing case. Mr. Trump denies wrongdoing. Of course, he's going to deny it. Upon leaving office, U.S. presidents must transfer all of their documents and emails to the National Archives. The FBI is investigating whether Mr. Trump improperly handled records by taking them from the White House to Mar-a-Lago after he left office in January 2021. In the filing released on Tuesday, the Justice Department's counterintelligence chief, Jay Bratt, gave the clearest picture so far of the department's attempts to retrieve documents from the former president. Those attempts led to a National Archives team visiting his Mar-a-Lago home in January, an FBI team visiting in June, and the FBI searching the mansion on August 8th. Trump, just turn it over. If you have anything else, just turn it over. Turn it over. Um, I need to ask a question in this room. I think one of you in here has the lottery ticket and you don't want to claim your prize. You can give me the ticket. I'll go claim it. The $1.34 billion, even though you're only going to get 400 and something million, you know what? Yeah, go claim it. Or give me, I'll go claim it for you. $1.34 billion lottery prize still unclaimed. Can you believe it? Just around a month ago, a ticket for the second largest Mega Millions jackpot ever was sold, netting the winner close to $1.34 billion. There is just one problem. The winner has not picked up their gargantuan prize yet. 
The ticket was purchased from a Speedway gas station in Des... Is it Des Plaines? Des Plaines? What is it? I don't know. Around a 20-mile drive northwest of downtown Chicago on July 29. According to the Illinois Lottery's website, the ticket hit the top prize in the drawing on the same day. But as of August 30, the jackpot still has not been claimed, said Megan Powers, Director of Communications at the Illinois Lottery. They know who won it, so why don't you go seek the person out? They know who won it. Because when you buy a lottery ticket, the cameras are right there because you know they have to verify that you're the actual purchaser of the ticket, right? You know that. I hope you know. When you go anywhere to buy a ticket, those cameras are already, they know because they time, you're time stamped. So I can't find a ticket and say, oh, I'm the winner because they're going to go back to see the, the when they print that ticket, it's time stamped, and then they're going to match it up with the cameras to see if you're the actual purchaser of the ticket. So they already know who won the ticket. Why don't they just go out and look for the person? Or are they hoping that the person will not come forward? And then when the person doesn't come forward, what do they do with the money? Where does the money go? They split it amongst the bosses. The bosses split the money. And... <laughs> you're so funny. You're so funny. <laughs> Listen, why why would they chase the people to give the people their money when they can just hope I mean they're just gonna hope that no one comes for it so they can share it up. You know what I mean? I mean I think I think most people in here would do the same. <laughs> just keep your fingers crossed and let the time run out, let the time run yeah. out. Hope nobody comes forward. I mean the government is already gonna get their eight hundred and something million dollars in taxes from it, right? Which leaves them with like four hundred and thirty seven million dollars. But come on, go get your money. But you know, here's why I asked why not go after them. Wasn't it um, at the casino in Las Vegas? They tracked down somebody who had won some money. Remember that story? Was it a month or two months ago? We spoke. Yeah, about I heard, it. yeah, I heard it somewhere. Yeah, yeah, we spoke about it right here in Coffee and Toast. So why can't the lottery system do that? You, you, know, you, you can track because... me to know if I actually won, but you can't track me to tell me I won. Because it's run by the government, and the government um, always trying to always try to take <laughs> our money. The casino, the casino is all private, so maybe that's why. Ah, and they probably know that for tax purposes, they have. Oh, okay, you know what? Yeah, makes a lot of sense, um, Teflon. Yeah. Well, whoever you are out there, if you don't need that four hundred thirty-seven million, I have a four. I have four hundred thirty-seven million things I can do with it. There are a lot of people who right here on this platform could do well with it. So, yeah. Our next story, courtesy of WSVN out of Miami, offices sees a shipment of baby wipes that turned out to be $11.8 million worth of cocaine. And I'm glad this story came up because something came in my mind the other day and I meant to say it to Marlon. So every now and again on the news here in South Florida, you will hear about cocaine washing up on the shores of the beach or money washing up on the shores of the beach and you know I, Martin and I are like we need to start going to the beach early in the morning and see what we can pick up because damn I, I don't want the cocaine just give me the cash I'm good I'm straight with the cash but did you know just was it last week or the week before I read somewhere that if you take the money that you find on the beach, you can be arrested. So what I'm doing the money, 
What does the police department do with the money? Who gets the money? Why can't it be finders, keepers, losers, weepers? Why, if I am the one on the beach taking an early morning stroll, I come across uh, this shipment and I'm like, oh my gosh, my prayers have been answered. I'm debt free. I can go travel the world, help some folks. And they find out that I took up the money. They're going to come lock me up for taking the money that was washed up on the shore. The money don't belong to nobody. Why do they do that? I think it's the type of money. So if it's dirty money, then you can't you can't take it. If it's like clean money, if it's like normal money that's found, then I think that's fine. I think that's that's what it is. Mm. So Teflon, what about <laughs> money that I find in a bag in a park? Am I to turn it over or am I to keep it? Yeah, so it depends. I mean, if it's if it's a large sum, then there's a high chance it might be dirty money. So I think that's what it is. But I, I just think if you find money, just, you just have to be smart. Like, you don't have to make it so obvious. Just pick it up and, and sneak it away from it. Yeah. yeah. But how do they know that you found it? And who said the money dirty? And it, it, it was clean, green bills. <laughs> <laughs> Because the thing is, the thing is, there might be, it might be a setup. There might be people watching. There might be people um, surveilling and seeing up. Um, but if it, if no one's if no one's aware of that money, I, I think it's really hard for people to um, swear unless someone saw you pick it up and then they later on do an investigation and they will say, oh yeah, I remember, I saw um, I saw someone, I saw this handsome DJ pick up some money. <laughs> And he was wearing this, and then they'll look at the cameras. <laughs> yeah, but as I said, this, as long as you're, um, as long as it's not being, um, um, it's no one's watching. It's not like a surveillance thing, and um, you don't, you don't make it so obvious. I don't, I just don't think there's an, th th there'll be any comebacks for that. Yeah, but moments like he said for me, I think the reason people find out is because the people are watching the money, and they turn you in. They. Mm. they I, you understand what I'm saying? Well, folks like you and I, at moments, will never find money because we know what to do with money. People like, you know what I'm saying? People find that they're going to buy stupid stuff. You and I are not going to do that. Mm -hmm. We got something else. Mm -hmm. The government will never know. Mm -hmm. I'm letting the world know. If you drop a bag of money, I find it. I will not turn it in. I'm sorry. I mean, I don't think I'm going to turn it in. The thing is to live smart. You can't go buying luxury cars and all of a sudden you're going to have a ton of jewelry. Rolex watch, watches and all. No, you got to keep a low profile. Yeah, because... my student loan will be paid little by little per year. Exactly. <laughs> you know, instead of paying off the mortgage right away, you put a little extra every month, right? Yeah. <laughs> you don't go crazy. You know, don't will... bring attention to yourself. Don't and do And if that. it's dirty, just clean it in the washing and dry it still money. <laughs> yeah, because... Yeah, because what happens when when the money's found, when the police get the money, when you turn to the um, to the police, um, there's two things they either put in, they put it back into the system where the, the government will, will get hold of it, or they'll just um, share it amongst themselves. So, um, the team that the team that found it, they'll just share it amongst themselves. It happens so all the time. Too. They find so weed, too. they find weed, they find all, all sorts, and they keep it. Um, they have dirty cops um, in the departments. They do. Um, 
keep some of the stuff. So I'd rather keep it. At least I'm going <laughs> to give it to like people. You know what I mean? At least I can enjoy yeah. it rather than get these, they, they grab your hands, um, taking the money. Yeah. But here's the hypocrisy of it though, um, Teflon. It's dirty money if I keep it. And it's illegal if I keep it. But if the government keeps it and uses it, it's okay. Aren't we both going to spend it anyway? What's the difference? You, you, you see the hypocrisy? It's like if you plant weed in the back of your yard, they, they're going to lock you up, right, for having weed in the back of your yard. But if you find diamonds, it automatically becomes theirs. I, I just don't, I'm sorry. I just, you know what? <sighs> yeah. Okay, ho hold on, hold on. Javette found something. She said she Googled it. If a grand prize is unclaimed, money or money must be returned to all lotteries in okay so if it's not on if it's unclaimed the money must be returned to all lotteries in proportion to their sales for the draw run the lotteries then distribute the money based on their own jurisdiction laws to other lottery games or to the jurisdiction's general fund and i i question the jurisdiction general fund now that's a whole nother question Dodge, but thank you thank you thank you but do you but do you do you believe all of that no that's why I exactly. said I question it. Is, it is, is, is this is this a fact they put in front of us um, to make it sound good? But um, I don't believe any of that. I don't think they do any of that. Me neither. <laughs> so um, a shipment of baby wipes at the U.S.-Mexico board. Oh, thank you, Javier. Yeah, 180 days to claim the lottery prize. Okay, folks. Um, a shipment of baby wipes at the U.S.-Mexico border turned out to be something quite different. Instead, $11.8 million worth of cocaine. U.S. Customs and Border Protection offices seized the narcotics on Friday at the Columbia Solidarity Bridge, according to a Monday news release. The bridge connects Texas and the Mexican state of Nuevo Laredo over the Rio Grande, just north of Laredo, Texas. Officers from CBP's Office of Field Operations sent a trailer truck which claimed to be carrying only baby wipes for a second inspection. Then, a canine and non-intrusive inspection resulted in the discovery of 1,935 packages with around 1,533 pounds of alleged cocaine, says the release. This seizure is a prime example of border security management and how it helps prevent dangerous narcotics from reaching our communities. This is according to Alberto Flores, the port director at the Laredo Port of Entry. Um, <laughs> let me tell you, I have, a few, I have a few ideas. I think they were tipped off, number one. Number two, they were careless in com the weight comparison of wipes versus cocaine, right? You're going to do something like that. Okay, y'all going to think I was in the drug game. No, I was not. Watch too much movies. Watch too many shows, okay? So, too much Queen of the South too, right? Um, here's what. I would see to it that whatever cocaine I am shipping is the same weight as weighs the same thing like the number of baby wipes making sense right so if i have 10 
packages of co- uh, baby wipes. See, to another cocaine measures the same thing as the baby wipes, even distributed in the in the um packaging and put some wipes on top and keep it moving. Um, I don't know. That's what I'm thinking in my head. Okay. Now, somebody tipped them off because somebody did not get paid. That's my other angle. Or somebody tipped them off because they stepped on their turf or came into their turf or something. But something, this didn't just appear because a lot of drugs comes through the borders. Underground, above ground, around the ground, wherever. I think every bust, in my opinion, is a tip off. And I'll just leave that right there and keep it moving. Uh, Yeah. So, next story. A man's intoxicated target practice kills a neighbor, and this is according to the Associated Press. A woman looking out the kitchen window of her South Carolina home was killed by an intoxicated neighbor shooting at targets in his backyard, authorities say. Kesha Luan Lucille Tate, who was 42, heard several gunshots around 6.30 p.m. on Saturday and was hit in the chest by a bullet when she went to a window of her Gaffney home to see what was happening. She died in her home with her children nearby unhurt. Nicholas Schuyler Lucas, 30, was charged several hours later with involuntary manslaughter and shooting under the influence, according to Cherokee County deputies. He remained in jail Tuesday, and records show he did not, if he does, well, and records did not show if he had a lawyer. Tate worried about gunfire near her home for months, family members said. Lucas lived behind Tate in the neighborhood of about 30 homes clustered fairly close together. You know what? Um, I'm so sorry this happened to her. I really am. This is a truly unfortunate accident to have happened. Um, but you know what? It's it's a reminder to me because I tend to run to my windows if I hear something outside. No, not me. Not anymore. Mm-mm. Sorry. Mm-mm. I hear a loud bang outside. No, Mm-mm. let the bang carry on. I'm not looking out. Give me a couple of minutes and then I'll look out. But, I'm, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've learned my lesson here. Marlon tells me I'm inquisitive. I'm nosy. I'm a fast. No, but I like to know what's going on around me. Anyway. <laughs> a Colorado teen has been shot and killed while filming TikTok dance video. Another tragedy on social media. Two minors and an adult faced charges after a Colorado teen was shot in the head and killed while filming a video for the popular social media platform TikTok earlier this month. Three minors were filming dance videos to post on TikTok in the southern Colorado town of Monte Vista when a Glock 19 pistol discharged on August 7. This is according to an arrest warrant affidavit obtained by KRDO-TV. The victim's identity has not been released. Emiliano Vargas, 21, has been arrested for allegedly permitting or providing a minor with a firearm. The two other minors who were at the scene were arrested for alleged reckless manslaughter and possession of a handgun by juveniles, according to the statement from the police department. According to the affidavit, one of the minors told police that she saw the other juvenile point and shoot the gun at the victim before throwing the pistol on a nearby bed. When asked if it seemed like an accident, the girl said to the police, it could be an accident. Vargas told police that he was not at the scene when the shot was fired. 
according to the affidavit. The gun was kept unlocked and visible on a shelf in the home. Shouldn't have done that. You got to be careful with these weapons, man. Police watched the... Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go right ahead. They were using the gun while filming the video? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we've read too many of these cases since the year had started. Um, it's really heartbreaking. <sighs> I, I don't understand how they can arrest children for an accident, but you can let pedophiles and people that do mm. stuff like that go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Isn't that what usually happens, Javette? <laughs> Isn't that what usually happens? Um that's how it goes, Javette. That's how it goes. Um, next story. Uh, father who boarded school bus to curse out school kids says daughter had been bullied and jumped. Um, <clears throat> before I even read the story, I'm going to tell you this much. Um, hmm. Woo! You bully my child. I, I don't know. I'm not like, you can't hold me responsible. Call me insane, mentally ill. I'll take that. But um, not my child. I just pinned the story at the top of the page. Um, yeah, so courtesy of Baller Alert. A Louisville father who boarded a Jefferson County public school bus and cursed out elementary school students is speaking out after a video of the incident went viral. On Tuesday, Delvonte King spoke out in an interview with Wave 3 News, apologizing for his behavior. I don't promise anybody I'm going to apologize. I'm sorry. Um, but anyway, um, at the end of the day, I did it out of character, he said. He then goes into detail, claiming his child has been bullied since last year. King said that although notified, the school has not taken any action. He explained his daughter started getting bullied at the start of this school year by the same person and was even jumped on the school bus. The only reason any of this transpired is because of the bullying he said about his actions. The incident is currently under investigation, according to JCPS spokesperson Mark Herbert. Herbert also said LMPD is looking into the case and considering filing criminal charges. Why would you do that? Why would you file criminal charges on me for protecting my child? Th- that's all I'm doing. Friday, Delvonte King was filmed on the bus threatening the students who he claimed hit his daughter. I'm going to flip this whole bus and everybody on it, he yells. I mean it. I mean that. That goes for everybody in here. I don't give a blank. Touch my daughter again and I'm going to flip this whole bus. Video then shows a man believed to be the bus driver trying to escort the man off the bus. The man and his daughter then reportedly got in another vehicle and followed the bus along its route. Some students reported seeing the man brandishing a gun while following the bus. Louisville Metro Police Department and JCPS Security were both notified and the bus driver was told to drive back to the school without making any stops. Um... So, go ahead. Go ahead. Go right ahead. (laughs) See, now, I would be that parent. (laughs) I've been that parent. But you don't show no weapon, right? That is why he's going to be arrested. That's it. 
that's it. If he actually had a weapon, right? Because we don't know. They say he was following behind and some of the students reported seeing him brandishing a gun. So we don't know if it was his phone or a gun. We don't know. I hope, I really hope for his sake, it was not a gun because that is what's going to put the lid on the jar for him, as you say, um, Javette, right? Um, but there is only so much a parent can tolerate when it comes to their children. You see that TikTok video? Oh, my sister don't fight, but I do, or my mom don't fight, but I do. Mm. Oh, no, you ain't got to worry. Don't put your hands up. I'll throw them hands for you. That's where parents are when it comes to their children. And we try to be diplomatic as much as possible. We try to do the right thing. We try to go high when they go low. We really try the Michelle Obama, but it doesn't work all the time in our favor. Favor. We all have limits. We all have breaking points. So it's nobody is addressing the, the bullying behavior, but we're addressing the parent who comes to the defense of their child. You, you, you notice something? And I've noticed this a lot. The person who eventually breaks down and retaliates becomes the martyr. How dare you speak up? How dare you cuss my children out? Well, your, your children have been attacking my child for so long. And I've been trying to get you all to do something about it. You don't do anything about it. So I'm going to do something about it. Can you blame parents? Can you blame parents for coming to their child's defense? You cannot. Because those who are supposed to do something about it, who are supposed to take action, who are supposed to have meetings with the parents of these bullies, they're not doing it. So they are allowing the behavior. I do hope that he didn't brandish a gun. That's all I'm going to say on that. Morning, everyone. Good morning, James. Yeah, I, I don't blame him. I would do the same thing. And I, and I think even if he, he had a gun, I don't think he should get in trouble unless he, he, he pulled it out or something. But, yeah, I would do it because there's an incident here just last year where um, this child was being bullied at school <clears throat> and told his mom and his mom went to the school several, not one, not, not once, twice, or three times, like several times. And the school did nothing. And the child... The last time the child went to, the mom went to school, to the school, to file a complaint, one of the bully rushed um, her son and stabbed her son right in front of her and killed him. Oh. Right in front of his mom. So, like, for me, I'd, I'd rather spend a year in jail and hurt someone than to have them hurting my child. But, nope, I don't blame him. I'm doing the same thing. Yeah. Bullying, James, is what leads to some students taking their own lives. Bullying. These little wretches that come to school and think it's okay to bully other children. For whatever reason. And the schools fail the child who is bullied. They always talk to, oh, they're just kids. At what point do you take it seriously? 
okay, the first instance you might say, oh, okay. But two and three and four and five, we have a problem. And if me, if I, the parent, come to the school, me come up at the school, I'm talk to you about my pitney and what I'm doing to my pitney, all, <laughs> all bets are off. Anything you get at that point is what you deserve because you failed to be diplomatic about the situation. You failed. You know, <laughs> and it's so true. This is so true. You would talk and talk and talk and people ignore you and people take you for a joke until you take drastic actions. Then them say, no, you're crazy. No, I'm not. I was warning you all along, but you didn't want to listen to me. I'm human too. I have feelings too. What am I? Brick and mortal? No. And that's the case with the parent here. Enough is enough. Son of fear pit me off course. Gonna take another quick break. And when we return, it is business and tech news. Here is some more coffee for us as she gives us rapture. <laughs> Coffee come in like a rupture And everybody get captured Play sleep up like helicopter When them see the lyrics contractor Coffee come in like a rupture And everybody get captured Play sleep up like helicopter When them see the lyrical doctor Coffee hotting up the temperature for them see Me know the man fee but friend me fee and me Yo I first me see people there around me so plenty But me pocket now empty me needs fee so loud Yeah me see them and watch me to a cop now, I'ma sit to me a bit in for lockdown Sitting in a debate, ni bikini a the century a drench me But for me fire go blaze and I see him way So me see the enemy a protest Oh, and him could come the closest No, I can feel still a do the most I want me to put in the work and trust the process Oh, yes, that's how we grind right now Coffee with the coffee with the prime time flow Time for we accumulate the kinds I know And me say, jaggy me, the jaggy me, the signs like Whoa, coffee come in like a rapture and everybody get captured Play sleep up like helicopter When them see the lyrics contractor Coffee come in like a rupture And everybody get captured Play sleep up like helicopter When them see the lyrical doctor Tell them to give me no limits No, them say coffee but you are all me this Girl, but when me speak lyrics me don't fidget with it Show did it, go with it, let me go dig it Bro, me find him ready Me not tell you from me was a child me ready the God who me say me same time, yes, see. My eye bless so you can't spoil me. Maybe you can't file me, me see me too pro. Found, kill him with the words and with the pro. Now, when me come and roll, fuck the whole town. Anyone me show up is a show down. Yo, every African grew up, but blood a dance you. We still not build until the Vatican slew. Me we hold still until the coffee turn blue. Tell them go and chill until the coffee turn blue. Me the on the road in a quarantine. Me the on the road in a Balenciaga. Eh, new Fenty for my Prada. Eh, ah, ah yeah, vibing, good vibes inside. Yeah, light up, don't fight it. Fire, ignite it. Yeah, oh, oh, oh yeah. Eh, I'm 
like what is a new day Might get caught up in a new wave Shop the track up in a new wave If it at me get a few plays yeah. Spin it and fling it on back And if I sing it I win a gold plaque Yeah, next year platinum that And them can't lock me up from a dreadlock yeah. Killing them boomer, yeah All these blessings where I come my way Pray to the Father, say come by, yeah Full up my plate and broke my tree Oh, yeah. I'm winning. Mama, you give me the prediction. Yeah, I have life. I'm blessed. Thank you to all our listeners logged on to the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com, JohnOradio.com, and everyone here with me on Clubhouse where the conversation happens. I'm Moments with me. You're listening to Coffee and Toe World News on the Go every Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern, where I read the news and we share our reviews. Maybe going over 12 today. I hope they don't kill me for this one. But yeah, we had quite a few stories today. I don't know. This week has been crammed up with a lot of stories, a lot going on. That is hashtag WCW Woman Crush Wednesday. Today we are crushing on coffee. And yes, Tasha, I agree. She is a breath of fresh air. Pull up another card, yeah I know it's nobody but you I don't play You will never ever find another like me Coming up right after this one, it is business and tech news, so don't you dare go anywhere. You gotta tell me about that one, DJ Teflon, when I return. Pull up another card, yeah I know what's nobody but you Pull up another ladder But me have the Benz and the brother And a couple brand new order All of them fully don't matter Zero to a hundred and two Yeah, so I'm a flex for you All in on my section view, I set for you Then me get a text come true So I'ma show you what my legs can do Pull up another party, yeah I know what's nobody, yeah Pull up another R, yeah, be a feelings that my carry. Pull up another R, yeah, I know it's nobody, yeah. Pull up another card, yeah, I know it's nobody, but you. I'm sorry, I had to take it to the very end, right? <laughs> and it is time for business and tech news. But before I jump into that, how was the performance, DJ Teflon? How was her performance? Oh, he's on a call. Okay, so Teflon put in the chat that she was on the main stage of the carnival in the UK. So um, I guess I could go on YouTube, right? But I'm sure she did not disappoint. I'm sure she, you know, 
did her best as always. All right. So let's go ahead and get into it. Business and tech news. Coles and Gap have a surprising plan for this season's unsold clothing. Mm, interesting. Retailers are overstocked on clothing and some are packing, away, packing it away in hopes of selling it in future seasons. Coles, Gap, Carters, and other chains have said in recent weeks that they will hold some unsold merchandise in their warehouses and put it back on shelves later this year and in 2023. It's a strategy known as pack and hold. We are confident that we will be able to integrate our pack and hold inventory with future assortments. Gap uh, Finance Chief Katrina O'Connell said in an earnings call with analysts last week, um, Gap plans to store away shorts, short sleeve t-shirts, and tank tops. The retailer said that this inventory increased 37% during its last quarter, with 10 percentage points of the increase resulting from pack and hold. So, hmm. <laughs> remember when I asked the other day about who wrote the rule on um, not being able to wear white after Labor Day, and we did the history and realized that it was... Um, it was instituted by the elite, the extremely rich who wanted to separate themselves from the commoners. Didn't want to, you know, you need to recognize that I'm, I have money and treat me accordingly. But um, yeah, so now I'm going to ask the rule, ask the question, who says what's in fashion and what's not in fashion and you know something is outdated versus not being outdated whose idea is that you ask me just a way for for people to make money off of you that's what i feel i love designs and styles that are timeless you know some styles you can wear for 20 years and you can't tell if it was fresh off the rack this week or last year or 10 years ago Classic designs. I'm sorry. Go right ahead. Morning, morning, morning to morning, everyone. Morning. Oh, Kevrock, I am not ignoring you. I'll get to you, okay? Oh, oh it wasn't me. Sorry. sorry. No, 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 no. Not that. The, the other thing. <laughs> okay. Wake up, Kevrock. Have a cup of coffee. Oh, uh, <laughs> I, I've been up since 6 a.m. this morning. Drink um, some coffee. I, I've had my third um a cup of coffee so yeah my day should be coming to an end soon but <laughs> um jeans and plaid and them thing they can't out of style man and miniskirt too can't forget miniskirt <laughs> <laughs> yeah let me clarify though let me clarify though because <laughs> you know what's coming at you right but I'll, I'll... is it a tight is it a tight jeans them well, look like tights, and of them the may talk. May talk original Levi's jeans and some of them kind of jeans there. Eh? <laughs> Can't out of style. What about the miniskirt, Kev? Can't out of Never out of style. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Dr. Daphne. You were going to say something. Well, you asked the original question, who makes the decision? I was going to say the people that belong to the alphabets, especially the men and their fashion. They're the one that decide what we wear, where we wear, you know, when we wear, because they dominate the industry. So Facts. I don't buy in none of that. I wear what I want, when I want. I show up in a pair of white outfit in the middle of winter in New York on purpose. 
I'm glad you said what you said because I'm going to make this point. So to everyone who is homophobic, you may want to stop wearing clothing. Go right ahead. Go ahead. What's it you, Cam? One of the things, though, with, with, with styles, you know, I mean, whatever is trending and sometimes I don't follow what color, sometimes certain things are trending. But there are certain things throughout the years that uh, that that come back, you know, that recycle. Mm -hmm. And um, so sometimes the bottom throw away some of the old clothes them are people say you get new clothes some of those things come back in even some of them um some shirt of my father used to wear back in the 80s you see them have come back mm -hmm. you know some of them like a gyanzi you know, i'm a jamaican we call it gyanzi but some of them like a polar looking shirt they were kind of tight fitted them shirt them thing they have come back so you're gonna sport them right i have some right now all right <laughs> <laughs> wait wait it came in did you come back with the short shorts too? Because I want to see the men in the very short shorts. No. <laughs> <laughs> no it, you see you? Wait a minute, hold on. Let's clarify. You talk like back in the days of Jack Ripper. Um, the short shorts. shorts, yeah. What's up? Why? And uh, let me just say this. <laughs> if if me wear them shorts there, my wife not go on me, got rude. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. That's exactly it. But people used to wear it. You know, the funny thing is, so son number two and son number three. Yeah. The two middle ones. They like these shorts. No, they're not short like Jack Ripper, but you know, the short ones that they're wearing now. And I'm like, okay. Things have really recycled. Come back. Full circle. You're right, Kevrock. Not true or nothing. You remember, um... The style where the clothes used to look bleach out, bleach out the jeans. And then there was a time when everybody pouring bleach on their jeans and, you know, doing the tie-dye fashion with the bleach out jeans. Well, they came back. Bell-bottom pants. Those came back, remember? Yeah. Oh, y'all remember the bell-bottoms? And if you were wearing it in the 80s, you were wearing old-time clothes and then they came back in the 90s. Neon colors. Remember neon colors when you were in high school? Everybody rocking the neon pink, neon yellow, neon green, neon orange. Everything had to be neon for those of us who had trapper keepers. You wanted them in the neon colors. That phased out. Then it came back again. So you're right, Kevra. Don't throw nothing. Keep everything. Yeah, fashion does get recycled. Ah, uh, Uber. Now let's show you get all of them moments. Make sure you could still fit them. Wait, say that again. Make sure you could still fit all of them. Ah! <laughs> <Ow>. <laughs> I'm gonna give you a joke on that one. So I have a skirt, right? A long brown skirt, shimmery skirt. I have a mannequin in my closet. Do you call it a mannequin? Dress form. Dress form is the right word for it. So I have a dress form in my closet. And I had the, I was able to fit the dress form, the skirt and the dress form. My dream is to one day get back into that skirt. Yeah. So anyway, the other day, trying on a dress in the closet <laughs> that I have. I've had this particular dress now since 2000 and... Uh, Four. Yeah, 2004, because I wore the dress twice. I wore it to a wedding in Atlanta, summer 2004. And I wore the dress. I was pregnant at the time, too, when I wore that dress. 
and with son number three. And then I wore it a, another time for a date night. Yeah, birthday. Okay, two times. So I'm like, yes, in my mind, I can still fit into that dress. So went in, put the dress on. <laughs> so back in the back of the closet in the um, garment bag. One day, though, one day. Um, so I told Marlon, I said, you see what you did to me? Look how you mash up the people, them one good gal pitney. Look what you bring me to. Me can't fit in on my frock. You get me good, good, good. I was at 10. No, you draw me down. <laughs> and you took everything both sides of a plane. <laughs> I'm like, look how you mash me up. Me can't fit in on the frock. I love the dress. The dress is a timeless design, I will tell you. It will never go out of style. But my bags, come I cannot fit into the people them frock. So what you, you see what relationships do to your people? Yeah. So those of you who have your good up, good up body and your figure, you know, your nice figure eight, and you don't want to lose it. But I go, don't take up no man nor pit upon your head. It's going to ruin all of that for you. Yes. Just thought I'd let you know. Just thought I'd let you know. All right, ladies. So if you don't want to be like me, reminiscing on how I used to look, stay single. You got to put them pounds on. So anyway, let me get back on track. So Uber now lets users text with a safety agent to monitor rides. Hmm. Uber is giving riders the ability to connect with a safety agent while taking a nerve-wracking trip, making it the latest feature the company has added in recent years to address safety concern. The company said the capability is intended to help both riders or drivers in situations that may not warrant calling the police or other emergency assistance. Instead, they'll be connected to a live safety agent from ADT, the security services company who can monitor their route for the trip's duration. You may be feeling uncomfortable on a ride, and that's different for every person, Uber's lead safety product manager, Rebecca Payne, told CNN Business. Citing examples such as a rider traveling through a neighborhood they're unfamiliar with, or a driver running out of gas, or dealing with customers who don't want to follow Uber's policies. It's able to give them a third party that can help mediate or guide them through a situation like that, said Payne, noting that the ADT agent can communicate with the rider or driver by text or phone and can also contact 911 should the situation escalate. ADT has access to the trip information once a user opts to connect with an agent, including the vehicle license plate and GPS location. Lyft has offered the live agent feature in partnership with ADT for a few years. Uber said it has been quietly piloting the capability in nine cities in recent months before making it available nationwide this week. So I know in right here in Coffington, we've had several conversations about security and safety as it relates to rideshare um, vehicles for customers as well as for the drivers. Um, so are we appreciative of this? 
do we think this will work? Do we believe it will work? Do we think they need to change anything? How do we feel? Nobody? Oh, everybody in here drives. Sorry. But how, no, seriously, though, are you comfortable with this capability knowing that you can have an agent from ADT online with you when you don't feel comfortable? Well, anytime they provide some sort of solution to a problem, I'm appreciative. But as you know, nothing is foolproof. You still have to do your due diligence to maintain your safety as much as you can, pay attention to your surrounding do a quick search where you're going and let people who you care about know where you are going. You know how we, I'm grown. Nobody need to know my business. Well, so, somebody need to know your business. If anything happens, they know where to find, where to find, find you. You know, it's, it's just sometimes we, we got to do our due diligence on top. Plus the other solution and strategies and apps or whatever they have set up for you to you know give you some sense okay you're not alone but it's it's i appreciate the effort and the continued effort to make sure that these things are safe right right all right thank you for your feedback dr daphne yeah so let's see how um this will help um we hope that we will hear less or zero cases of um anything happening to either a driver or a passenger in health and science news texas officials confirm that uh the first there's a u.s death of a patient diagnosed with monkeypox the first u.s death that is on tuesday texas health officials confirmed the first death of a person diagnosed with monkeypox in the state the person was identified as a harris county resident who was severely immunocompromised, according to the Texas Department of State Health Services. The case is currently being further investigated to determine what role the virus played in the person's death. Local officials confirmed the patient died on Sunday in a hospital with various severe illnesses. The autopsy results are expected in the next few weeks. So, it is safe to say then that the person didn't die from monkeypox, but they were diagnosed with monkeypox. Is that what I'm to understand? Because it's very easy for us to think, well, easy for me to think, you know, at first sight that the person died from monkeypox. Huh. He had, it sounded like complications to yeah. other issues and monkeypox. That's what it sounded like. Yeah. You know why I want to clarify it, Sinet, because... Remember in the height of COVID, if you had a heart attack, it was COVID. If your big toe gets stumped, it was COVID. If you fell off a ladder and died, it was COVID. Everything was COVID. And we understand that there were kickbacks for hospitals reporting deaths as COVID. If it was cancer, it was COVID, right? Um, so, yeah, that's why I want clarification on it, you know? Yeah, so... According to the CDC, more than 18,000 cases of monkeypox have been reported across the 50 states since the outbreak began in April. There have been 15 deaths reported globally, excluding the U.S. Health officials um, are advising people to contact their health care provider if they have fever, chills, swollen lymph nodes, and new 
unexplained rashes. For most individuals, the virus is painful, but not life-threatening. All right, so... And after monkeypox, what's up next on the list? Who's who's coming next? Punchinella, little fella. Because I'm sure there's a list of things that needs to be released on us. So what's next? What do we need to brace ourselves for? You know, I was in a room earlier this morning. I think um, it's a newsroom out of London. And it's so funny. Someone made the comment that... um, they just want everybody vaxxed up, vaxxed up, vaxxed up, vaxxed up. And that way we are less dependent on natural, natural remedies. The food is um, injected with all kinds of hormones and chemicals and this, that, and the other, GMO, right? So the way to attack the body is through the food and through vaccines and when your your immune system is not what it's supposed to be because your diet is not what it's supposed to be because remember your immune system resides in your stomach that's why it's very important what you ingest right you have to be mindful of that so when that is compromised that's the way to attack the human body easily and then they keep giving you all these chemicals to fix you so now you become chemically dependent isn't that something hmm are they trying to shorten the amount of time we live for? Because didn't we talk about the CDC report the other day that spoke to um, life expectancy, especially in the U.S., um, having dwindled a little more? Yeah, it went down. It is time for Caribbean Corner. First up, this one courtesy of Al Jazeera, null and void. Judge strikes down St. Kitts anti-gay law. A top court for nine Eastern Caribbean nations and territories has ruled that sexual orientation and homosexual activity are protected under the right to privacy. Invalidating colonial era laws that criminalized homosexual behavior in St. Kitts and Nevis. Anti-sodomy laws were challenged in court by St. Kitts and Nevis Alliance for Equality and Jamal Jeff is a gay man in February of last year, according to Loop, a Caribbean news outlet. This decision strongly establishes that a person's sexuality should never be the basis for any discrimination. We welcome the recognition of this fact, one for which we have long advocated, said Tynetta McCoy, the executive director of S-K-N-A-F-E, according to Loop. Gay people have faced discrimination in the region, and the ruling has been celebrated by gay rights groups as a step towards equality and freedom. I think it's... No, I'm not going to twist up my tongue, sorry. S-K-N-A-F-E and Jeffers had argued that the right to liberty includes the right to consensual sex and partnership with a person of their choosing. They further argued that the right to privacy is not limited to protection against unlawful searches. All right. Next story, we hop on over to Jamaica, courtesy of JamaicaLoopNews.com. Jamaicans are urged to treat homeless persons with respect. 
Secretary of the Board of Supervision, Trika Lewis, has called on Jamaicans to treat indigent, I'm sorry, and homeless persons with respect and help to improve the lives of members of this vulnerable population. Speaking during a recent JIS Studio 58A interview, Lewis provided an insight into the needs of the indigent and homeless from her position of monitoring and supervising. It is not all about the food and clothing, and it is not all about the shelter sometimes, surprisingly. It is important to recognize that some of these persons were once productive members of society and have fallen on hard times. Some of us are just one natural disaster away from homelessness, said Lewis. In dismissing myths around homeless persons, she added that not all homeless persons lived a bad life before that led them down this path. It is just unfortunate circumstances for the most part, and it can happen to any of us. Not all homeless persons are mentally ill, and even if they are mentally ill, there is nothing wrong with that. She encouraged persons to help the mentally ill to become stabilized so that they may function effectively. This may entail relocating a homeless person from the streets so that they do not harm themselves or others. Yep. I wonder what brought to that awakening that they should be treated with respect because they're human beings too. I remember um, there is this man, he, he died um, from a well-to-do family, back from where I'm from. Um, his family, they, you know, they were known for having a lot of buses on the road. and Yeah. Um, he used to smoke weed and he evidently got some weed that was laced with some drug. And ever since having that draw, he would roam the streets and people thought he was homeless and people thought, you know, would treat him badly. But I want to tell you, no. Um, yeah, the drugs really messed him up. And I think people changed their behavior towards him when they realized who he was or the family he was from. Because one thing I'll tell you, his mom saw to it that he was fed, he was clean. You know, he would go home. Oh, yeah, he had a home. A very nice home. He would go home and his mom would see to it that he's bathed and fed, but she couldn't keep him home. He would go roam the streets again. So, yeah. Regardless, there was one homeless person um, who I'm not sure. There was an, he used to live in a cave, but he wasn't always that way. Um, he had an accident. I, if I remember well, he used to be a bus driver. And he had an accident. And there was the deformity of his leg that followed this accident. And then he, you know, his mental well-being just went. So he would be, every Sunday, I remember, he would stand at the gate of our church. And, you know, he would come into the church sometimes and sit down. And he would go up for communion. And he was never turned away never turned away and he would sit in the back of the church sometimes and then after church he would stand by the gate and people would give him money um there was one particular business owner who had a restaurant 
uh, they would feed him. He would go there and he would get his meals. He would walk the four miles from his cave into the town. They would feed him. And then he would, in the evening, he would take the journey back home. He would walk back home. Occasionally, he would take a lift. He didn't always, people would stop and offer him a lift, but he wouldn't always take it in the back of a pickup truck. But occasionally he would, and then you'd see him walking. Yeah. You got to take care of people. You don't know their history. You don't know their story. And it can happen to any of us. Don't forget that. Yeah. Um, there's this, this um, student, um, Jamaican student, that I think he went to um, UTEC at the time and went to the States to do to further studies. And he did a documentary. I think it was in New York on homelessness. Because, you know, coming from Jamaica, like, you know, like people that are homeless are considered to be like mad people, like mentally, you know, people that struggle with mental health issues and stuff like that. So while he was in New York and he used to go in the park to study, like he realized that the park was like filled with like homeless people. And he said one day, like he sat down to talk to one of them. And this person was working at a fast food place, working 40 hours a week, but they were homeless. So they, they set up like tents, like in, in some of the parks in New York. They would have like these public places where these um, shelter where they can go and get a shower, a bath and stuff. And they would come back to their tent. And he, it, it, it was like shocking to him because this person was like, you know, you go to one of those fast food places, you go to the drive through this person is clean and this person is serving you and being polite and pleasant and everything, but homeless. Yeah. And he did a documentary on it. So especially like in, for those of us who live like in big cities, like homelessness is like, like in Toronto, like it's crazy homelessness. Like I, I was talking to this guy, a customer that, that would um, come to me sometime. Um, he was in construction, construction in Toronto, like is like $40 an hour, you know, you're making like good money. This guy was in construction, you know, making good money. He fell from a roof and broke his back. Um, and he, I think, I guess he didn't go to the proper channels to make sure that he got disability or whatever. So he ended up like homeless, you know, like, you know, not, not getting enough money from the government, bare minimum and homeless. So, you know, like, you're right. Like we are like one paycheck, a month paycheck away from being homeless. So like sometimes we can't really judge people that are homeless. Not everyone that's homeless, like had like, you know, lived a reckless life and, 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 you know, gamble away their, 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 their money and stuff like that. Sometimes it's just hard times, you know, people yeah. like illness and accident and stuff like that. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's real homelessness. It's, it's real. And it's the pandemic, you know, as you know, even put it like way up more like it's increased. So yeah. 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 Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Rosolo. You remember How them? Yeah, I do. I yeah. remember. I always remember the gentleman that used to wait outside the church because I remember him walking. We would see him walking from where we lived. Sometimes when we were going to the Discovery Bay, we'd see yeah. him walking, and it was be it would be so amazing. But I remember him because he was so kind. Yes. And I remember my uncle being so kind to him. And so because of that, and my aunt always joking with him, 
you know? Yep. And because of that, they made him human. He wasn't anyone that you couldn't speak to. So I remember every time we saw him, we'd, you know, joke and laugh and talk to him. Whereas others looked at him, like it's to your point, as if he was crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but he wasn't. He wasn't. He was just going through a hard time. But I currently, uh, my family is going through a situation. I think if anybody in my family, other than moments and Marlon, anybody else on here would probably kill me for saying what I'm going to say. But um, no. there was a member of my family who um, went to college. Mm-hmm. He he played football for a very good um, university and he won um, a tournament. They won, a, I'm sorry, he won one of those bowls and he has a beautiful ring mm-hmm. um, and he graduated. We all went, we celebrated him and then he moved to New York, to the tri-state area. And within a year, um, within a year we lost communication. You know, we... Um, it was very difficult to, and this was a person when he come into the house in moments and I can tell you, he'd lift me up and he'd spin me around. You know, he was that, that person to me. And, um, we just lost communication. We couldn't communicate. He finally, we got him to come back down here and it was just, he was just lost. He was a totally different person. He was totally Rosola, are you there? Okay, we lost Rosola there. But yeah, I'll leave her to finish telling the story. But um, The thing is, though, moments, I tell you, uh, I just do, uh, I know it's coming up on time, but... Um, no, Kevra, Ros- I'm going over time today. <laughs> okay, as Rosola was speaking, though... Um, I, I myself I went through homelessness. Um not for any extended period of time, but um maybe three, four days in the winter. Um that was what two thousand and uh four? Yeah, on that tree in Mount Vernon for about four or five days. Wow. And then lived with um in a rooming house in Newark after that. And uh, as I was living there in this rooming house with mostly people who have substance abuse issues, um, a friend of mine who we were going to college at the time with, we're graduating at the time, and I was complaining to him like, yo, this was like the second week I found a rooming house. And that back in those days, as international students, you can only work 19.5 hours. Um... I really didn't have any help because, you know, bottom line is I was complaining to him about him coming to school every day. You know? We're both engineering students, come to school every day. And I was complaining to him about my situation. And he said to me, say, yo, Kev, I hear you, but you know, I wish for me sleep last night and the night before for the past three months while we we're doing finals was in Newark. Penn Station, because we were both at NGIT at the time, Newark Penn Station. And so, needless to say, I tell him, like, Bridget is a one room, and I didn't have a bed at the time. And I told him, like, yo, come on, come and bounce it with me, you know. Um, but sometimes the struggles that people go through, and he came to school clean every day, came to school clean every day. Um, sometimes the struggles that 
we are going through sometimes people are going through worse you yeah. understand what I mean I say and um here am I thinking that I share this bathroom with these people you know the the, the cracker them come in every day and them them go on them thing but I, I am I'm so thankful when, when when he told me that and I'm so grateful that I could have helped him you know um cut this long story short to this to today he works for <laughs> Uh, a big airline company as their chief engineer you understand so uh, i understand the homelessness situation and while he was there he told about stories about veterans and uh, we have gone back several times to newark downtown newark to feed the homeless have a conversation with them you understand so it uh we can't really judge we can't really judge and we should help whenever we can yeah you know I, I just had to share that you know thank you thank you for sharing your story kev rock thank you i appreciate that rosola are you there because we lost you i am okay i am i'm not sure where you lost me okay the so the last thing we heard was he would come he you the he was able to make it back to georgia that's the right last and part. was a family dinner that part family yeah. dinners mm-hmm. and um yeah so uh, the first family dinner. I don't know if you and Marlon had moved back to Georgia. Um, you could tell there was a difference in his be- demeanor. And one of the people, and at family dinner is what I mean. It's family and maybe two close family friends. We don't, it was never more than that. Family's enough. And so um, we didn't know exactly what to tell people that happened to him because we weren't sure at that point, but we knew he was different. And um, people started sensing that as well because he acted different. He was very, very quiet. And this was not a quiet guy. Very, very quiet. He asked weird questions like he didn't know people. Like, you know, who are you? Like he would look, he came in the kitchen. He would look at me and say, where's my aunt? You know, and people were like, what, what does he mean? Eventually we got him help. Um, they diagnosed him with schizophrenia. Um, he started taking medication. He enrolled in law school, he started taking classes. He didn't like the medication. He stopped taking the medication and um, he decided to, he didn't want to be in the house. He wanted to be on the street. And so it's been years now, mm-hmm. but for the first few years, my brother would drive into Atlanta every morning before he went to work and it breaks my heart. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Every morning before he went to work. And this is during me going through my crazy divorce, Mm -hmm. right? So Mm -hmm. um, my brother would drive to Atlanta every morning to find him. And some some days he he would, you know, and he would try and talk to him or get him to a shelter. And the thing is we couldn't get him to a shelter because he was an adult. He had to agree to go into the shelter. So we couldn't get him to a shelter. We couldn't get him. There's nothing, basically everything that was against us. My brother tried everything every route, every angle, calling the cops, having anything to get him into a secure environment. And because he's an adult and it's his choice, there's nothing my brother could do for him. And um, right now as it stands, we don't know where he is. We don't know, we pray that God has continued to keep him covered and, and, mm. and so when you see them, Mm-hmm. To your point and to Ked Rock's point, just be kind yep. because you really don't know. You really don't know. And 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 Ro, we have more than one because yeah. on Daddy's side. Okay, so y'all gonna get a little confused when I say this, right? 
So on my dad's mom's side of the family, we have yeah. a cousin. Um, I think, I can't remember how many children um, they have again, but he is one of few. He is one of only two boys. It's mostly girls, right? But he's one of two boys. Um, and, okay, people say they're spoiled. That's not my business, whatever. Um, but anyway, he used to ride bikes and stuff, right? You know, latest bikes, got it and everything. But he ended up on drugs, right? Um, his mom, by then, no, his dad had already died. Ro, you were, yeah, you were still with us when, and I, you, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. His dad died, and then it was his mom that was left right so she saw to it that you know they, they put him in rehab and everything and he yeah. would come out he'd be doing good and then falls right back he ended up going back up into the hills and mm -hmm. ended up back on it again and our, you know people would come to my dad you know because my dad is in the middle of the town everybody knows that they're related and so they go to my dad and they would lodge complaints. So, oh, you need, you know, this, this, that, and the other, and whatever. So anyway, in and out of rehab. Um, then eventually, when they cut money off from him, he, um, he stole a couple cows from his brother and sold the cows. So his brother put his ass in jail for doing that. Right. And of course, my dad, you know, pleaded with him because they're cousins, my dad and them, they're cousins, pleaded with him and said, you know, come on, you know, that's not the best way to do it, blah, 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 blah. But eventually he got out, um, went back into rehab and is back on the right track, has been back on the right track. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you never turn your back on anyone. Don't write them off. Don't write them off. Right? Don't think that everybody drop out a sky. These people have families. Right? We don't know what's going on. We don't know what wires got crossed, why what life tragedies happened we just don't know be kind and you know they have a saying when you open your doors to someone whether it's the doors of your home the doors of your hearts you might just be letting in an angel because good the good that you do will come right back around to you not necessarily from the person you helped but it may come back to you your children may not be immediately, maybe years down the road. It's as though you're depositing in the bank of kindness. Kindness will be bestowed upon you. Right? So, yeah. Yes, I agree with you, Javet. I agree with you. I don't like when people pretend to be homeless and pretend to be broke. I don't like it. 
because they're taking the seriousness away from the issue and they're standing up there with signs and pillaging. I don't like it. Don't do it because there are real people going through real situations who need real help. And unfortunately, they get um, sidestepped because of the actions of the unscrupulous. See, uh, that's, that's the reason why. Teflon, is it me or is it Teflon? Are we hearing Teflon or is it me? It's Teflon. Okay. DJ Teflon. Probably close and open again. Okay, there you go. There you go. We lost you. But come come on. Go ahead. Go right ahead. Go ahead. No, I said that it's, it's all about acts of kindness. Because, um, I mean, back in the days, I never used to help homeless people. Because in my mind, I'm thinking that. Um, they could be just faking it. You just don't know who's real and who's not. So nowadays, I just help anyone. Even if they come across like fake, I still help them. And as you said, it's all about acts of kindness and these things will always come back. Um, you get rewarded somehow, you know? So, yeah. 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 Teflon, I just want to piggyback on that real quick because um, it's important too that, that, that our kids see us um, be kind and 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 actually perpetuate that that level of that that, that kind of kindness. You see, man, sir, because we 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 are adults and and we are teaching them as we go along. So we we, we have to make sure we, we, we do that too. Yeah. Very true, sir. Very true. Yeah. Hmm. Whew. I tell you something that that's so true, and not to drag the story on, but. Son number three, right? Remember, you hear me talk about him that he's like a social butterfly. He, your house is filled with his friends sometimes, right? But he's a kind soul, really a kind soul. And I'm grateful that he is that way. Um, so Marlon, whenever he goes to pick him up from practice, he always drop him home other kids. Daddy can, you know, and he's not calling you and asking you or texting you and asking you if it's okay. It's when you get to school. Oh, can you drop my friend home? Okay, sure. Come on, let's go. Where are we going? Right? I think there are about three different ones that, you know, Marlon would be dropping home. Marlon never complained. Never one day. So Marlon's shift has changed. So, you know, he is, goes to work in the afternoon, doesn't come home until the middle of the night, morning. Um, and between our older two sons, so there are zero vehicles sometimes here for me, zero. I have no vehicle, right? So thank God for good friends because he gets home. He gets home. Who dropped you off? Oh, my teammate's mom dropped me off. Another one. Who dropped you off? Oh, Emily dropped me off. Kindness does come back around when you, you know, because I'm here stressing. Oh, my God, oh, I got to get my baby home because this one is at work. That one is at school. This one is at the other job. So you're like, okay. <sighs> but it all works out. Kindness pays, folks. It doesn't and, 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 sometimes, and sometimes it's not all about money as well. I mean, if, if, you can't, if you haven't got nothing to give them, I mean, if I haven't got nothing to give them, what I tend to do, I normally, I'll, I'll, spend, I'll talk to them. You know, sometimes talking to them giving them a little bit of your time sometimes that can help as well you know it's not all about money if you've got food like sometimes if i'm coming out of the shopping center if i if i go shopping and 
I see them outside. I'll give them some food if I haven't got no change. And if I haven't got anything to give, I'll, I'll stand and talk to them. And sometimes you can learn from these people and um, you, you, you don't know what like talking to them can do, you know. So, so sometimes like, that giving them that little bit of time can can uh, make a difference to their lives, you know. Yeah. 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 It's important, folks. It's important. I think also there is in in every and uh, major or um or medium sized city there are soup kitchens right um you know even if it's, it's people have problems with this even if it's around Thanksgiving time I used to take my children Thanksgiving time to to share food for the homeless and go to some of the YMCA's and and volunteer because it gives a perspective to them like wow these kids are living like this um and then when you come home it's like man i'm going to i'm i'm going to be be a little bit more mindful of how i i i take care of this space and and share a little bit more even with among siblings you know so i, I know i said it already but even in, in these um the cities that you live you can volunteer an hour or two and, and and like Teflon said, the conversations actually is just helps them too, cause nobody don't want to talk to them sometimes. Yeah. You understand? Showing them a, a smile, a genuine smile, and having a conversation goes a far way. You might make them month. Yeah. And you, you know, you know who get, gains the most from it usually? You do. Mm-hmm. You do you because they have a lot of knowledge to impart on you believe it or not well who remembers the voice good morning jamaica oh god (laughs) i can't do it but prime minister andrew holness has joined scores of jamaicans who have come out to express condolences to the family of veteran broadcaster francois saint just following his passing on Monday. Reports are that St. Juice died at the University Hospital of the West Indies. The news sent shockwaves across the media landscape and also left scores of Jamaicans both at home and abroad reflecting on the life of the media practitioner. Many Jamaicans, including myself, were deeply saddened this morning following news of the passing of the much-loved and admired radio and media personality, Francois St. Just. Francois brightened every space he occupied and was very easy to love, said Holness on his social media page as he joined Jamaicans as they remembered him. He was always professional and had a passion for what he did, which made it much more than a job for him. His unmistakable voice and morning energy on Sunny Side Up, a show he co-hosted, lifted many spirits. I express heartfelt condolences to his family and loved ones as they grieve. Condolences were also expressed by members of the Jamaica Constabulary Force through their communication arm, the Corporate Communication Unit, who said his work in media personnel helped to strengthen the communication capabilities of the entity. The Constabulary's Corporate Communications Unit is deeply saddened by the passing of veteran broadcaster. Our many partnerships have strengthened communication. That's the JCF release. But yeah, I remember that voice vividly. Don't think um, it will ever go anywhere. It was a good way to wake you up on the morning. Monday to Friday was when you would hear him. Fame FM, I think he's the voice that built Fame FM, if you ask me. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, hands down. 
Um, I remember, I remember back in the day too when he used to have this trivia show in the morning, and um, and I think Paula and he had Paula also had and an Porter, Paula and Porter, and he also had an afternoon show with uh, this lady who I was just so enthralled by, um, uh, Dene Rangalan. Ah, yes. Oh my gosh, I forgot about her. Mm. Yep. 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 But wow. Francois, man, I'm the boss. Yes. He built Fame FM. Literally. Is it me? It was kind of like the disco station. But yes. he was so classy too, man. I I I respect and appreciate that 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 brother. Yeah. And I I had one time aspired to be like him, you know. Why didn't Good. you? <laughs> uh, no, I, I I like to be. I like to use my hands and a little bit more technical. So. Yeah. Say yeah. let me hear. Say the good morning. Let me hear, Kevra. Good morning, Jamaica. <laughs> but he dragged his own. I was like, I don't know yeah. how he did it. Yeah. With him cowboy at <laughs> <laughs> May his soul rest in peace. Ah, James, you're here? You're gonna like this one, James. Last member of the Brazilian indigenous community found dead. Hmm. Okay. We know what's going on, Brazil. We are wa we're watching. The last of his people, a Brazilian indigenous man known only as the man of the whole, has been found dead. Decades after the rest of his uncontacted tribe were killed off by ranchers and illegal miners, officials said. The man, whose real name was never known to the outside world, was found in a hammock in a hut in the Tanaru indigenous territory in Rondonia state in the border, which borders with Bolivia. And this happened on August 23. Brazil's National Indian Foundation said in a statement, he had been living in complete isolation for 26 years. Since losing everyone he knew, the man had refused all contact with the outside world and supported himself by hunting and raising crops. His nickname derived from his habit of digging deep holes inside the huts he built, possibly to trap animals, but also to hide inside. He lived in an indigenous territory surrounded by vast cattle ranches and under constant threat from illegal miners and loggers in one of the most dangerous parts of the Brazilian Amazon rainforest. This is according to Survival International. Authorities in Brazil did not comment on the cause of the man's death, nor his age, but said there were no signs of violence or struggle. They also found no evidence of the presence of anyone else in his home or around it. Everything indicates that the death was from natural causes. They say a gov the government agency, which is under the justice ministry that handles indigenous affairs, that's their report. Local media reported that the man's body had been covered in macaw feathers, prompting one expert to speculate that he had known he was about to die. The man was believed to have been alone since the remaining members of his small tribe were killed in the mid-1990s. Rights groups said that the majority of the tribe had been killed when ranchers moved into the area, cutting down the forest and attacking the inhabitants. With his death, the genocide of this indigenous people is complete, said Fiona Watson, Survival International's director of invest investigation who visited the Tanaru territory in 2004. Brazil, he didn't die from, from, uh, from natural causes. I don't believe that one bit. Everything in me is telling me that he was murdered because 
President Jair Bolsonaro has been trying to give the Amazon to investors to mine, knowing that it is going to, you know what, let, let me stop because I'm sick and tired of the well-to-doers taking advantage of the disenfranchised. <laughs> Precisely. So DJ Naturalist just sent a text because he's, he's not with us, but he's listening. He says, and I, I got to read this one. And this is a great question. If they, if he had no contact, how did they find him? Smell? <laughs> he was murdered. They need the land. They need to continue with the deforestation. They need to continue to destroy the planet for the gains of their pockets. When all we have around us is concrete, what, what do we drink? What do we eat? What do we breathe? Do they think about those things? These people, the indigenous, the natural inhabit the, 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 the original inhabitants of the country are driven out murdered stolen from raped and that is what has happened around the world the spaniards went to brazil first and you know didn't work out so good for them so the portuguese went in had their own way of getting over on them tricking them into thinking they were there for them when it was only to rape the country colonizing the country and treating the indigenous as if they are nothing. And now you have successfully killed the last, the last one of that particular tribe, the extinction of a tribe, just like they're doing with animals in Africa. To what gain? just to be wealthier? So why am I surprised? Why should we be surprised? It's never going to end. It's never going to end. And if we're not careful, and I am so looking forward to Saturday's conversation that Fabian is going to have with um, the chief of the Maroons. Is, is Fabian here? No, he stepped up. The... the, the um, He's going to be having a conversation, Game Changers with Fabian Lyons, on Saturday with Chief Curry, the leader of the Maroons in Jamaica. It's the same fight, the preservation of the indigenous, the preservation of certain lands. You can't sell out everything. You can't. For what? To foreign investors who don't give two craps about you? Who are only going to come in and export the resources and, you know, break you off a little piece? And then what? And you say you feel good. Knowing that you have displaced tribes that depend. And, and you know something, it's not just the tribes. The entire Western Hemisphere relies on the Amazon. Whether you want to believe it or not. If we don't have trees, what happens with the oxygen? What happens? Integrated sands. Yeah? 
think about that, folks. Our greed will be our destruction. That's what's going to put us down. So we're going to lie on a hospital bed. Oh, <laughs> I have investments in the Amazon. How that going to help you right now? We're already suffering enough. We're not living as long as we can. Because we put profit over life. But just another quick break when we return, believe it or not, news. Where is coffee? Coffee, where are you? We need some coffee in our afternoon now, right? <laughs> it's time for some more coffee. Take it away, coffee. <laughs> I might pull up in the Maserati, Maserati, maybe the Bugatti, Bugatti, mm, Ducati, Ducati, they're telling me I'm too flashy, too flashy, pull up in the Maserati, Maserati, maybe the Bugatti, Bugatti, mm, Ducati, Ducati, they're telling me I'm too flashy, too flashy, either way, vroom, 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 You might see me in a black Mustang, no gang. Don't leave for the back door in a black van. Or see me in a Maybach, lay back with a tick ting, getting break back. Or see me gas cat in a bouquet. You might see me with Sabi in a magazine, she got a big batty. Too flashy, too flashy. Ride more backseat than a black cabby. Might see me in a black Audi, just lie me. With my gang full rowdy. Beg you, give me space, please don't cry me. Turn the fun, I tits up real loudly. Down. This tune play, girl, let me bust down. And I want the yards to glock a touchdown. all the listeners logged on to qmzradio.com janoradio.com and of course everyone here with me on clubhouse 
where the conversation happens. I'm Moments with me. You're listening to Coffee and Toll World News on the Go every Monday through Friday, 9 a.m., typically to 12 p.m. We're going over a little today. My apologies. It is hashtag WCW Woman Crush Wednesday, and today we are crushing on coffee through music. When I look up in a new sky, me see the sun a shine, yeah, my blessings on the line, I put everything on the line, palm up, pave the way, paper play, Jaja saved me so I hail him, God only made a way, God he waited to a greater day, thank God he didn't get ugly, thank God for keeping and loving me. Mama, you kissing, you hug on me. Said no matter what I did, you be proud of me. Yeah, that meant a lot to me. Yeah, this was your prophecy. Yeah, I know they ask to see. Pray I will see the God in me. I go, oh, yeah. I'm glad I woke up today. Yeah, hey, just as I woke up, I said, yeah. Couple prize for my family, my friends, oh, oh yeah. Thank you, Father, for blessing me times Remember, for quality music while you work or play, log on to QMZRadio.com for music to help you get through your day. Don't forget to download the Jano Radio app available in your Apple and Google Play stores. J-A-H-K-N-O. Take us on the go. The music in your ears like any cute if you see fierce time with the blues in reggae bass line. Mama lose it and I'm on a body. Watch the bill reading, put the song up on it. Know them all about me, say them bother down me, so me kill them. I study them, man, I tell me them not understand me, but them say them loving the flow. No, when them see me all over the media and them hear me, they power Wikipedia. You so fast, no me all against media. I a bond, some fire can't come. Shut up, then a cup of water, bomb, bomb. Tell Janela, Cinderella, John Tom. Say a prayer, get a quiet ensemble. Oh no, with the panic go now. Tell them watch it in a traffic cop in a slowdown. In a mizone, alter to baritone. Soon the magazine say he's a queen of bunny drone. Wounding them, five stars are we wounding them. In a night in a morning, black over we like a owning them. March out and we storming, and one people we farming. God in this party alarming, God in the place so we bounding, boy. Folks now I'll be here a next shot. Rather coffee tear a next shot. Give it to them like a crusade. Tell them with a pan a new wave. Uno nothing, nothing yet though. Make them with the fire get low. Lyrics put you very well fear. Funny dead bro, funny wet flow. Whoa now, meet the funny go now. Tell them what in a traffic of in a slowdown. In a mizzle, alter to baritone. Soon the magazine says I queen the funny drone. Check, 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 you day better put the coffee on your checklist. Nobody never did expect this. No, them watching me, watching me like Netflix. Now leave them in the silence. Them wait for me for bring the vibes. Jamaican people leave the violence. Can't read well, read between the lines. Tell me, here, so they gun them pile a bit. And them of them, you know, I dare it. Oh, them reach funny sound and all my bay. Up them all, I spray while I try to play. Tell some police that if right, then I'll go work. Protect the peace and load the daughter's skirt. Needless to display the mama, then I drip my brother, boy, drip your father's shirt. Oh no, me the funny go now. Tell them what it in a 
traffic, the finna slow down. In a mizon, alta to baritone. Soon the mangas say he's a queen of bunny joy. Woo! Listen, you know what I want to hear? I don't know if it will be possible. But I'd like to put a request in. I'd love to hear Coffee and Lauren Hill on a track together. Yeah. Yeah. Coffee and Lauren Hill. So anybody who knows them, please deliver the message for me. That's my request. I'll make it happen. Yay, yay! <laughs> make it happen, Teflon. Because I think they would be that would be a great collab. Coffee, you, you, have you really listened to that girl? You listen to the things she said, her lyrics? Like really, what would I say? You're penny the lyrics, them. You pay attention to what the girl has said. She bad all about her damn self. She, she's talented. She's truly talented. And I know yesterday we were talking about the state of the, the, the music in Jamaica. But I will hold on to the belief that good music can still come out. What we want to call good music can cultural music can still come up out of Jamaica. All hope is not lost. The thing is, those who are making the good music, the cultural music, the positive vibrations music, stop looking to Jamaicans in Jamaica to be your bread and butter. Stop. You're not going to make it down there. So you have to export your talent. You have to export your music. Last night, Rosolo on her show, on the Rosolo show, she had um, Chino McGregor and Bling Dog. Chino McGregor said it in no uncertain terms. Well, what I got from it, you want to make your money? You can't make none of yard. You have to go abroad. There is a limit to what you can do in Jamaica. There's a limit. There's a cap. You can't go no further. You buck. Kind of like a glass ceiling in corporate organizations for women and for black folks. You can only go so far. So you go to Europe. Germany. It's one country, renowned. Take yourself into Japan. Ooh, can't speak a word of English, some of them, but them love it. So stop what I would, I think we are getting lost and we're wasting time focusing on the fact that Jamaicans are in Jamaica are not supporting the culture the way we want them to, not supporting the good music the way we want them to. No worry about them. Otherwise, I got dead for hungry down there. So get somebody to bring your music and bring you to Europe. There's a market out there for you. Um, moments. Yes, James. Listen to the, the guy, the guy Deep Deep Ja. I think his name is Deep Ja um, from Jamaica. He's like the, the, the male version uh, of coffee. When you, when you have a chance, just Google and listen to him. Can you type, it in, type that... it in the back channel for me so I can remember, okay, please? Then. Yeah. Yeah, it's a shame that, that we have like talent because him sings some really good song. The quality of the production, the, the the words, everything like international. 
but it, it, you know a lot of guys a lot of people like those just get lost in in in, in the system and and it's unfortunate cause very talented very talented yeah yeah they're there <laughs> they're there but um they just have to be more creative with how they um get themselves out there and for those who have been able to make it internationally um pave the way help them form a coalition something whatever so that their music can get out there and them can't eat a food too you know yeah so believe it or not stories ap african-american studies courses are being offered across the u.s for the first time wow 60 high schools across the country are offering advanced placement courses on African-American studies for the first time. The courses come during the nationwide upheaval regarding race-based curriculum. In February, the nonprofit organization College Board announced a pilot program with courses starting this month. The curriculum will be an interdisciplinary overview of the history of civil rights as well as African-American music literature, the arts and humanities, political science, geography, and science, according to a report from CNN. Courses will also explore the vital contributions and experiences of African Americans. The unprecedented pilot program will grow by the following academic year by adding other schools. The course is expected to be available to all interested high schools in the 2024 to 2025 school year, which allows time to secure valuable credit and placement policies at colleges and universities. Over the summer, high school teachers involved in the African-American Studies pilot joined Howard University to review the course framework and prepare for the launch of the course. Renowned educator Dr. Henry Louis Gates Jr. has hailed the new curriculum, saying the coursework is rigorously vetted and that it should not be confused with the critical race theory concept, which has become both a social and political debate. Nothing is more dramatic than having the college board launch an AP course in a field that signifies ultimate acceptance and ultimate academic legitimacy. AP African American Studies is not CRT. It is not the 1619 Project. It is a mainstream, rigorously vetted academic approach to vibrant study in the field. Hmm. That's good. I'm, I'm here happy to this. hear that. Yes, yes, yes. I'm glad they clarified. I'm really glad they clarified that it's not CRT because CRT is college level. It is not high school, it is not preschool. Yes. It is not elementary school. It's a total different level. So everybody saying, don't teach your children CRT. Your children are too young to learn it. Mm. Mm. Yes. You know what, Sunette? You ever watch a woodpecker on a tree? I've watched quite a few. Uh, sure, yes. yeah. Yeah, I've watched quite a few. There's a tree, as a child growing up, there's a tree, a pimento tree that's outside my bedroom window. And some mornings you would hear it going, just knocking away, little by little. Well, that's how we have to do things, like the woodpecker. Chip away slowly until that hole is created. And you're able to create that space within the tree to live in. We have to do that too. So this is just one step in the right direction. More to come. 
Yeah, and I, I think it's important to, I think we in the black community have to take the lead because sometimes in a lot of cases we sit down and cry about what the government is not doing. But we have to start and then pressure the government to, to, to um, invest because um, my, my kids are enrolled in a program like that in, in Toronto. Mm -hmm. um, it's um, this, uh, I think she's from Africa, like a, a black woman in Toronto, and she's very passionate about, she's in the school system and see how like the school system is whitewashed. And she's very passionate, so she took it up on herself to, to start a program um, for like black kids, you know, you know, telling stories about Africa, the Caribbean, using black characters and stuff like that. Um, did like a, a curriculum that's um, surrounding like black, black history, black culture, you know, everything like that. And she, she's in the school system. She have been like petitioning government for for for, for decades to support the program, and finally like this government came on board and, and funded the program. So it's a huge program where like, and the, the, the way how it, they use technology during the pandemic too, like, so what they do is like an online school. Um, each child in the school has like an avatar. So you can create your own avatar, mm -hmm. um, look like you, everything. So like with my daughter and my son, they have their own avatar where they, they go on the college campus, they choose the avatar, the avatar walk to class, their, their classes, walk to the cafeteria. So it makes it fun for them. And because she was, she stepped up and she did that and she um, showed it to the government. Now the government fund, funded it. And we had our first graduation like two weeks ago. And it was like a very proud moment to see like all these like young black kids like from, you know, um, preschool age to like about um, grade six or so, like graduating and, and doing well. Like they're, they're doing programs now that because a lot of people don't understand, like even in a lot of the Caribbean, the curriculum is ahead sometime of North America. So like my daughter is doing stuff now in that program that she's not going to do in her class until the next two years. You know, so yeah, so sometimes we have to just keep the door open and you know, force the government to, to, to say, look, we are starting this. We're not we're not looking for a handout. We start the program. We're taxpayers and we needed to fund this. And, you know, so, yeah, and it's it's good because, you know, it's especially I find especially for young, for black boys, girls are more resilient in, in certain ways, like for black boys to look in the class and see like a because a, 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 I had an experience with my son. My son is six years old. And he went into this black um, curriculum program, summer program. And there's this teacher from, I think she's from Trinidad. When I go to drop off my son, my son run to the teacher, hugs her, stands up and hold her hand like in the morning. His first black teacher that he's seen. And when he came home, he said like, oh, like my teacher looks like mommy. <laughs> and to me, like that was like very powerful. Yeah. Because, you know, you're going and you're not seeing your representation in school. They don't understand you. They, 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 because you're running up and down, they say, like, you're rude or whatever. They don't understand us as black people and stuff like that. So it's very, representation really matters in, in the school system. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Thank you, James. Yeah. 
So that's a win for us. Next story, courtesy of WSVN. <laughs> a Broward County Sheriff's Office deputy who worked at the airport is off the job after investigators said he pocketed money from a lost purse. Deputy Michael Spencer was caught in a sting operation when an undercover agent handed him a purse with more than $1,500 inside. He's accused of keeping the money and, well, tossing the purse. He was arrested on Friday morning. Before noon, Spence appeared before a judge. All right, sir, you're here before the court on one count of grand theft between $750 and $5,000, a judge said. He is also charged with committing a felony with a weapon. Investigators said he spent $200. The rest of the money was recovered. You are not to have any firearms or weapons in your possession, the judge said. Seven News was at the scene when Spencer was released. He was suspended without pay as the investigation continues. (laughs) I shouldn't be laughing. They set him up. They set him up. So clearly this is something he's done before. And they're like, okay, we're going to catch him. Ah, my man, my man. You should have done that. That's unfortunate. (laughs) You know, you know what I'm getting from this story. What? You know, suspended without pay uh-huh. for stealing some money from a purse. But when you kill black men in the street, <laughs> you're suspended with with pays and benefits. That's what I'm getting from that. And it's a black police officer too. You are so right, James. Valid point. The hypocrisy. We're all created equal, but some are more equal than others. Don't you ever forget that we live on animal farm. Oh, yes, James. I saw it go. I saw the things I thought them say. <laughs> oh my gosh! Over to California for this one. A 93-year-old California assisted living resident died after she was served dishwashing liquid instead of juice. This story, courtesy of CNN. One woman died. And two others were hospitalized after they were served dishwashing liquid instead of juice at their California assisted living facility on Sunday night. Police responded to Atria Park, an assisted living facility in San Mateo, on a report that a resident had been poisoned. Three residents were hospitalized after ingesting toxic chemicals, the San Mateo Police Department said in a news release on Monday. One of the residents, a 93-year-old woman, was pronounced dead at the hospital. Atria, Senior Living, the facility's parent company, confirmed that the residents were hospitalized after being served dish soap instead of juice. How how do you make that mistake? Hmm? So there is an investigation going on. How do you mistake juice with dishwashing liquid? Uh, aren't there stored, well, let me not assume, they're supposed to be stored in different areas. And how much dishwashing liquid kills people? I don't know, but they got cleansed. But people were drinking bleach during... Don't do that, Jamal. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't have me laughing. I'm trying to yeah, but this is so unfortunate. But was it malicious? Was it a mistake? What what really happened here? Of course it's malicious. I ain't never seen no dishwashing liquid look like orange juice. Exactly. The consistency alone, right? Yes. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. Were these um, residents? You know, there are some sad stories about um, people in nursing home or senior living facilities. What you call them? Assisted living. Whatever the right term is. I don't know. I don't care to be politically correct. But these old people are not necessarily all, oh my gosh, look at her. She looks so sweet. They're evil. Evil, some of them. Really evil. I'm sorry. Yeah, moments. I used to work in, in one of those places. One of those retirement homes for like rich Jewish people. Mm-hmm. And I think that don't sound like an accident. That was my that was intent. Yeah. No, because like I've seen there's this guy when I just start working at the place, there's this guy, this old Jewish guy that used to be there. And this guy, you'll be serving this guy, and this guy will call you the N-word. Mm-hmm. Like, um, some of the, the Filipino ladies like would be bathing you, like wiping you. Can you imagine like um you leave your home? As a, you know, like a Filipino woman, you're not there wiping your husband or whatever. And you're wiping this 90-year-old nasty man. And he's calling you, like, racial mm-hmm. slurs, like, at you and stuff like that. And I remember I remember the day when the guy, because his wife, his wife is nice. But I, I always wonder, like, why, how she end up with someone like this? But he was rich. And I remember the, the day when he died. And I was going to see this woman for the first time. And I'm like bracing myself because that was my first experience in the retirement like home, like someone passing away. So I'm, I'm, I'm bracing myself to, to kind of, you know, how am I going to face this lady, like console her and stuff like that. When I knocked on her door and she opened the door, she was smiling and bubbly. And I'm like, what? And yeah. And another lady told me that the best day in her life was when her husband died. The best day in her life was when her husband died. So a lot of these people are racist and and and, and the people that are taking care of them, they're 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 throwing like racial um slurs at them and, and calling them some derogatory. So some of them would will just like snap and, and do it, you know? Mm-hmm. You can't put it past them. Oh yeah. There are stories down here in South Florida where you know them wrinkle up and on the bed can't move and depending on you to turn them and clean them and everything take care of them and they're calling you the b word and the n word and spitting on you and hitting you i'm like i wish one of them would i couldn't do that job i couldn't do it because if you did that to me may i left you right there so yeah right there so may i leave you i gone about my business in my spice voice sorry May, may have compassion but not so much <laughs> to get up and deal with that every single day no uh-uh. no 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 them own pick me no one deal with them their own children dump them off there and out living their lives waiting for them to kick the bucket so they can cash in on the um dead left the inheritance and keep it moving you would think that as one gets older and they're they're reflecting on their life because you have nothing but time to think about the things you've done good the things you've done bad you know and the regrets and the joys you have time to think about all those things and you would think that one would think about the bad things they've done and try to be remorseful and ask for forgiveness because your time is winding down. 
But no, them wicked and evil same way. Not no change. But moments. A lot of them um, have Alzheimer's. So they don't know where they're at, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm not dismissing their actions because their actions come from something they've already done. Exactly. But their mind doesn't have the capacity to turn it on and off anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Them gone. Um, you see that same lady that her husband uh, just spoke about? Mm-hmm. We're sitting down, because some of them are fun. Some of these um, elder people, like, they have wisdom. And, you know, a lot of them admit to, like, the history of racism, like, in, in the Jewish culture and, and are remorseful for it. But some of them are just still racist. So this, this lady, one day we're sitting down, just laughing and talking. And they were, they were um, playing a game about regrets. Mm-hmm. Like, what's your biggest regret? And she wrote on her paper that her big, one of her biggest regrets in life is that she never experienced a black man. Oh, what sexually. you say? <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. All right, then. Girl, you missed out. That's all I'm going to say on that one. On to the next one. Fulton County DA maintains using rap lyrics in court following new gang Rico indictment. Said, if you decide to admit your crimes over a beat, I'm going to use it. Well, man, in light of a new gang indictment in the same Georgia county where Young Thug and Gunna are currently detained, Fulton County District Attorney Fanny Willis has maintained the use of rap lyrics are evidence. Willis announced RICO charges against 26 alleged drug-rich gang members on Monday, August 29. Prosecutors believe these individuals are responsible for several high-profile home invasions and other violent crimes in the metro Atlanta area. The indictment alleges that they monitored social media accounts like celebrities of Mariah Carey, Atlanta Falcons star Calvin Ridley, and Future's baby mama, Brittany, merely to plan a heist and scope out items. Investigators have tied alleged gang members to the indictment based on rap lyrics, music videos, and social media posts. At least five defendants remain at large. During Monday's press conference, D.A. Willis defended targeting rap lyrics and warned other rappers to stop confessing to crimes in their songs. I think if you decide to admit your crimes over a beat, I'm going to use it. You do not get to commit crimes in my county and then decide to brag on it, which you do that for a form of intimidation and to further the gang and not be held responsible. Just one of the lyrics used in this indictment is... Here we go, and I quote, Me and my crew striking out, striking in all black. Send me the drop, we'll kick in the house. If we steal a car, we're going to take off the tags. Well, they're kicking indoors, committing home invasions, and now I'm using those lyrics that they're admitting to doing that. She added, I'm going to do that. People can continue to be angry about it. I have some legal advice. Don't confess to crimes on rap lyrics if you don't want them to be used. Or at least get out of my county. All right, then. Okay. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, you did. You're going to commit these crimes, brag about them in a song, and then say what? Don't use it against me. Common sense is not that common. 
So. <laughs> I left this one for last because it has been getting a lot of um, attention. Now, I will say this to the Karens within the U.S. If you don't like how a woman's body is shaped, go deal with your own body. Go on to Dr. Miami. Enough of them out. I will fix you up. If, you, if you're not happy with your own body, don't hate on another woman for having the body she has, okay? So, I... Yeah, the man in my ear, the man them too, you know, I get a six-pack. I only two me have up at the top, you know. Yeah, Rock, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. But, so, I saw the, the, the thing on TikTok first where a man is wearing a backpack and he's standing at the end of his driveway and his wife says to him, hey, babe, what are you doing? He's like, I'm waiting for the school bus. She's like, what do you mean you're waiting for the school bus? He's like, yeah, I'm going back to school. Have you seen the teachers at school? I'm going back to school because I, I didn't learn anything. But now I need to go back and learn. And of course, a lot of people in the comments are saying, man, if the teachers looked like that back in the day, they would have never missed a day of school. They would have passed all their classes, you know, yada, yada, yada. So, <laughs> naturally, so yet probably with me too, Pac, you know what? I, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to keep it moving. So, New Jersey art teacher responds to criticism over curvaceous body. An elementary school art teacher in New Jersey has received widespread backlash from critics who say she should be fired for posting pictures of herself wearing tight, form-fitting clothing while teaching. I cannot pronounce the name of that town. I think it's Pensacon, whatever, Pensacon Township. Teacher came under scrutiny last week after her Instagram account went viral. People on her photos and videos slammed the curvaceous teacher for the distracting content. Yeah. In one photo, she is seen with her back to a student while wearing tight blue jeans and a tight white top. And in one particular video, she's seen bending forward and moving items for a classroom crate while wearing tight blue jeans. I don't think it's about her body. I think it's about how she's posing and showing her backside and wishing children and colleagues a happy summer, a critic commented on one Instagram picture. This isn't professional or appropriate behavior. She has kids taking pics of her in a class. Another user wrote alongside a photo showing the teacher in a blue dress with her backside on display. Another failed Instagram model that went into teaching kindergarten for clout. They always teach kindergarten, never high school physics. Shortly after her account made its round, the teacher fired back at critics. Trying to body shame me because I'm curvaceous is still discrimination, she said in a 14-minute Instagram video. The mothers at my specific school, the one that I'm an actual teacher at, some of the mothers are my biggest supporters. Despite the substantial amount of backlash and hate she has received on her Instagram, the preschool teacher says she has also received so much positive feedback on how she dresses and her role as a teacher in the elementary school. <laughs> She has also received support from high-profile celebrities, including rapper Fat Joe, who defended her. Yeah, there is a teacher out there in New Jersey that is special. Special one, Fat Joe said in his own video. I say let the woman be great. Can you fire somebody for their looks? Can you fire a teacher that's ugly? How can you fire a teacher? 
You know what? I don't know if she had surgery. No, this I is just, ridiculous. I pull, look, I just pulled it up on Google. Is nothing that she can hide. She cannot. If she wear a tent, you're not going to be able to hide that. <laughs> if that's natural, I'm happy for her. But I there's a whole bunch of pictures on the internet. They're showing what she's wearing. She's wearing jeans. But her backside. Mm, okay. They don't make jeans. They don't make loose jeans for her. You, nope. They don't make. You want her to wear trousers? You want to make her overall? No. I'm, you got to look at her picture. She cannot I, hide I anything. I looked. I looked. I looked. I looked. I know. They put it. a circus tent around her to hide it. So I don't even understand what the problem is. Mm. I love it. I'm not I'm not knocking her body. I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm not knocking her body. Everybody's body is their body. But there's nothing she can wear to go to school to hide that. Nothing. <laughs> I'm done. I'm, just, I'm sorry. Javette, you have me died over here. Yeah, I'm looking at one picture with her back turned. She's in a trouser. I don't know. Does it look as though she had her body altered or is it natural? Yes. I don't know. See, yes. see, yes. see. Yes. How yes. many other languages can I we? say we? yes? We, 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 we. Yes. She is altered. Her lips are altered. Her back is altered. Her breasts are altered. She's altered. Doesn't mean she should be discriminated against. I will laugh after her. I'm laughing at how stupid she looks. <laughs> But I'm not going to tell her that she can't do her job. Nothing's going to impede her. Body will not impede her from teaching the children. And if children are distracted, they will get over it after about a week or less. Yeah. Children are resilient. Yeah. The fathers and the mothers and the principal and the janitor will probably take a longer time. But the children will be fine. <laughs> I bet you she'll and get more fathers to attend parent-teacher night. <laughs> And that's right. Attending now, and the moms are going to be attending with the dads. It's going to be a packed house. Let her go. Do your thing, girl. Mm -hmm. And then she should sit behind the desk when she have that meeting, so they can pay attention to the work coming out of her. Yes, plug exactly. Lips. Yep. Or do you know what? Make them come to the school and she do it virtually. Make all of them come and reach the school and she do it virtually. Make them put up a projector. Oh my gosh, ridiculous. You notice the men in here are quiet, right? <laughs> she may block the projector if she stands. I'm not quiet. <laughs> Just listening. <laughs> well, you said, James, you'd be going, you tell your wife, no, babes, don't worry, I got it. You always been going to these PTAs. I'll go this time. Oh, there is a. <laughs> you hear, she said the moms are her biggest supporters. Of course, because they're not going to make the husbands come in there. <laughs> Of course, they're their biggest supporters. Send everything, any communication, anything you need. I'll be there. You need a mom in the room? I'm there. Yeah, man. My husband is busy. So sure. Yes. So sure. Room teacher. You need a room attendant. <laughs> I'll be there. Call me anytime. 24 hours. 24 hours. Okay. I'm done. Yeah, even I, her nose. I, her nose is even altered. Wow. She, she, I hope she's happy. I hope so. I think Look, that can be a problem, me... though. That's the thing. Because, like, there's some women with curves and stuff like that that they can't help what they put on. 
But um, when this story goes out and then there are people that, because there, there should be rules, you know? Mm. Like for students, because we have to admit, we live in a sexual world. Um, you have a high school girl or whatever, these young girls um, going to school. If it's like a free-for-all and a girl can say, you know what, I'm not going to wear a bra today. I'm going to go to school without bra. I'm going to wear like a see-through without, you know? So there has to be cert certain guidelines, you know, like you can't have like, as I say, like teachers wearing like sexy stuff. There's a difference with teachers with curves that it's hard to kind of hide or whatever. They're okay, but there's some people that will just push the envelope and just say, you know what? I'm going to wear this white thing and put a red tongue underneath it and I'm going to make sure that people see that I'm sexy or whatever. There, there has to be a line that you have to draw this line right here and say, look, okay, this is too much. So, uh, Okay, James, I'm going to give a little pushback there. Let us look at, um, <clears throat> excuse me, some things will fit some people differently than how it fits others right and we're not talking about people with altered bodies right i might put on a dress so let us say for argument's sake um myself rosolo sonnet and javette we're all size 10 let us just say okay we all go in to a job and they give us uniforms the way or let me not use a dress let me use a skirt a pencil skirt or a pants the way it fits me is going to be different from how it fits the other three ladies. Why? Because we all have different body types. So we all wear the same size. But on me, the pant may be loose because my hips may not be wide or my bottom may be flat. On Rosolo, it may be hugging because her hips are wide. On um, Javette, it may be sucking on her because her derriere is bigger than mine. So what happens then? We have it's a very we've got to be careful that some women are allowed to show their um, their figures in clothing because it's deemed as non-sexual, whereas others are not because their bodies are deemed sexual. We got to be careful with that. So then, if that's the case, if that's the avenue we want to go down, everybody needs to put on a non-outfit. And go and go teach. Um, I got a question. Yes, Marlon. Oh, Kevrock left. Naturalist is still there. I wonder if they're hiring at that school. <laughs> uh, I need to get, I need to move. That's the other part. Get a More job. male teachers. More male get, teachers. Get a job at that school. I'm sure they won't have any teacher shortages at that school, right? I'm surprised, ladies. Y'all beating this, this uh, teacher so bad. I, I am I not. No, no. I, I, I love it. I love it. I, you know, I for instance, this well, week I came, back, I came back from vacation. Got to work. They had no uniform for me. So they gave me a, they gave me a cover-up. And I tell you, that cover-up, Changed my entire look. It made me look slim, made me bend down, the whole thing. <laughs> so, so the clothes that you do wear, <laughs> you know, can have a drastic um, impact on how you how you are perceived. 
maybe baggy jeans just don't fit her properly. You know, you may mention her self-esteem that, you know, if she wear baggy clothes. Let her wear what she wants to wear as long as there's no dress code that she's actually violating. Uh, she's good to go. Yeah. I mean, personally, I mean, I, I go to, I went to all the period teacher meetings, so, and it wasn't because of the teacher, because I didn't look, it because I had interest in my child education, so, <laughs> for me, it That's your story? That's the story I'm saying. <laughs> so, I'm going to give y'all a little joke, right? So back in 2008, 2009, um, we were in Fort Lauderdale, temporarily relocated back to Fort Lauderdale for a little bit, and then we went back to Georgia. <clears throat> so son number one, what I, he was um, putting a tutoring program because he was advanced and you know they want to keep the acceleration going. So he was assigned a tutor. Marlon was all too happy to take him to tutoring. So one day I, <laughs> I didn't work that day and I ended up going with Marlon to meet the, meet her, you know, for son number one to have his session. I was like, oh, I get it. <laughs> I get it. I see why Marlon would see to it that He's in the vehicle even before son number one to take take her to tutor. Oh, son number one was not going to miss one tutoring session. Yep. (laughs) You know, now that I think back to my marriage. Go ahead. Go ahead, Dame. No, I said, Marlon, just being a good dad. Yes, yeah, I'm sure he was. You know, now that I think back to when I was married and when we used to do like the first day of school and anytime the teachers were like young and pretty, you know, remember James Evans in good times with the, (laughs) that laugh? Yes. Remember, no, you know, every time the teacher, the old, he would miss, he could have ever meeting, he could not come, he wouldn't reach, the teachers never got (laughs) that laugh. I'm thinking, no, you know, I'm thinking of that now. Hmm. Just sharing. Just that's sharing. funny. That's uh, funny. I did put in a chat, though. I have friends that have bodies like this, this teacher here, and too. it's natural. Yeah. So even though we're joking about it, the truth is you there's nothing that she can put on that's going to hide that. True. That is true. I had that's, a girl that worked how, for me. That's how, my that's, hips look. that's how my hips and my butt look all the time. Okay, I'm kidding. <laughs> you don't say that. It's a lot more exaggerated. A lot more exaggerated. Hers is way more exaggerated. Yeah, it, yeah. It looks a little unnatural. No, I had a person that worked for me um, when I first got here, and she she was shaped very similar, and it was natural. Okay. And I remember watching. Like she used to walk in the morning, and she'd walk by the sales team. I remember watching a man fall out of his chair. <laughs> So he could see, and she wouldn't pay him any money. No, she was married. She was happy. She was a really sweet lady, but she just had this shape. And I remember one day she chose to wear like this jeans jumper and it wasn't tight, but her backside, my God, it would make a straight woman go, God, no, Janua, Janua. Everybody's, you can't help but see. And I watched the man, I mean, literally fall out of his chair. And I went to him, I said, you should be ashamed of yourself because it was a Jamaica man. He said, oh God, my shame, my shame fell. It happens, right? <laughs> it happens. Marlon, what were you... You opened your mic, Mr. Marlon. What were you going to say? I didn't want my son to fail. 
have to make sure he um, <laughs> go to Twitter and every day. That's all. And that's your story, right? Well, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. I'm not gonna lie. She was a pretty. She she's pretty. I'm, I think she's still alive. So she is pretty. She um she's probably a little shorter than I am. Probably about the same complexion. Probably freckles on her face. Yeah. She, she was a cutie. So I get it, Marlon. Don't worry. I get it. I, I thank you that she was your inspiration to see to it that you, you, you know, you, you got him out the house and to tutoring. Thank you. Well, you got it. You know, that's, that's a good thing, you know, because he's much doing a lot better today. So. <laughs> you know what? Man, man, man. So here is our final story on the entertainment scene for today. Megan. Duchess of Sussex and Mariah Carey talk biracial identity in their new podcast, courtesy of CNN Entertainment. Megan, Duchess of Sussex, returned with the second episode of her Archetypes podcast this week, this time featuring a conversation with Mariah Carey. The two women discussed their biracial identities. Carrie opened up to Megan about moving often as a young girl and feeling caught between the black and white sides of town. I didn't fit in anywhere at all, Carrie said. Megan referenced an interview she had read in which actress Halle Berry had noted that because she was darker in color, she was treated as a black woman, not as a biracial woman. And I think for us, it's very different because we're light-skinned, Megan said. You're not treated as a black woman. You're not treated as a white woman. You sort of fit in between. Megan told Carrie that she only really began being treated like a black woman when she started dating Prince Harry. I always thought it would be okay to say I am mixed, Carrie said, like it should be okay to say that, but people want you to choose. Megan's chat with Carrie is the second episode of her Spotify podcast, which debuted last week with an interview with Serena Williams. Next week's episode will feature comedian and showrunner Mindy. Yeah. Mm. And this is a question I've always had. And I've noticed it too that people who are biracial, if you're dark, they will call you black. But if you're light skinned, they don't really want you. Why is that? Why does it happen within the black community? They claim you only at certain times. And at other times, they will look at you, oh, you're not black enough. But you're, and I have seen, <clears throat> excuse me, I have seen where same mother, same father, one child is light-skinned, one is dark-skinned. The dark-skinned is automatically looked at as being a, or called black, and then the lighter complexion one, oh, you're mixed. And then that kind of um, snub at them. Why does that happen within the black community? You know where that comes from, moments. You know where that comes from. Yeah. <clears throat> and even if you're dark-skinned, but you speak properly, mm -hmm. <laughs> you cannot be categorized as black mm. for your, from your own people. <clears throat> so people like you, you and, and Sanette. White. Okay. How do they classify you, Javette? Girl, I never paid attention. I don't care. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I thank my ancestors, but I never gave two 
sticks what people thought about me. Mm-hmm. I always loved myself. You're right. My color. I always loved my color. Did they ever tell you that you're talking like you're white or you're trying to be white because of the way you speak? Uh, no. Okay, but good. something happened. Well, I text y'all what happened to me okay. at work. Okay. I get those type of things. Okay. I got you. I feel you on that. All right. Sanaj, yes. very eloquent with your speech. Have I you? That. I got that. I think when I was young in Brooklyn, when I first came here, and I mean, not first, first, but like within, within a few years, um, someone said, oh, you're talking with a white girl. I'm like, I'm just talking regular. And then that, I mean, that, I'm not a fighter. I've never been a fighter. Mm-hmm. So like, I just said what I have to say and I walked away, I was done. If you want to pick on me, go ahead. But um, yeah, I I like, my sister is a little bit lighter than me. Just like uh, two shades or so. And she gets, uh, she, her, she's treated differently. Like, yeah, she's treated differently than I am. But I mean, I don't really care. I, I still love to get my tan in the summer. Bring the summer on. I'm getting extra brown and extra golden. Give it to me. Right. I don't care. But I wish we would stop this within the black community, the division within the community. We need to stop it. And um, I know I've had my experiences, right? Um, but I have found that it's the darker skinned ones that seem to attack more. You're doing, you're not doing anything. You're just going about your business and they attack you for the color of your skin. And I wonder sometimes, is there deep seated jealousy that could be the cause of this? Just this disdain for people who are lighter than you. It's not their fault. They're lighter than you. What I experienced or what I can say is the darker people would be more boisterous with what they would say, but the lighter skinned people would just shun you, look down on you, Mm. or turn up their nose toward you. They wouldn't verbally say anything to you. Okay. But the darker people will verbally say something. That's been my experiences. That's interesting. I, I, I exactly. Yeah, I agree with you. It's it's a memory past. It's why sometimes some people are just immediately against um, light-skinned people, lighter-complexed people, because they've been treated poorly by them. It's the memory of always being treated by people who are lighter than you. Look down on, um, you don't get the same. It's Again, I think Virginia said it in the chat, colorism. Colorism at its finest is is perfect. 100% I copy that. Um, So, like, I'm looking forward to... um, I think yeah. we've had this discussion before, but tonight talking tonight, with the, yeah. the doctor in Fabian's class, yeah. um, I said class, in his room. <laughs> um, yeah, right? It's a class. I'm going to invite one of my friends because, I mean, I, no, if I know you're not in Clubhouse during the day. I'm coming on are, tonight. I'm coming on tonight. There are colorism wars on here all the time. I have a few biracial friends on, and they get it because they're not enough, you know? You're not black. You're not white. What are you? And and why are you diluting the um the population? Oh you, the diaspora wars on this place. Wow. In this, oh, it can be so. I wish it would just disgusting. stop, Sonnet. I wish it would stop. I, same, same. But some people they just keep fighting. Because like yesterday, let me ask you, Sonnet. What do they accomplish okay. by doing that, Sonnet? What 
Honestly, Nothing. what what gets Nothing. accomplished? It, you know, they accomplish, they accomplish. We see how hateful they are. That's the accomplishment. We see how hateful they are. So yesterday there was a um, someone was talking about California has a reparations bill, and it is near the completion. And so someone, I forgot her name. It's a good, it's a good room. They were trying to um, get what people who are non-African Americans could you testify why you think Americans should get reparations? Because for most people I know, they're in support of African Americans from chattel slavery receiving reparations because they did, rep, slavery was different here than most places. So I'm in agreement with that. Right. But in the room, the conversation that spins because this one man, this hateful person is like, it should only be people who are African-American. Well, now, if, if I, I'm just going to use me as a doctor, although it's not true, let's say that I, my father was an American and so my father is then entitled to to this um, reparations because he grew up in the United States. He's a descendant of child slavery. Why am I not entitled? I'm half Jamaican. I'm half American. Should I be entitled? I say yes. Mm-hmm. He was like, no, absolutely not. Only people who were. But at the same time, honestly, I don't believe that I, as a person who's come immigrating to the country, I don't deserve, should not get even, not a dime. I shouldn't even smell what it smells like. Right. But I support everyone who's a part of that to get it. But he was going 10 times down, 10 toes down that these West Indians or the Jamaican, and he kept speaking Jamaican. Jamaicans oh. and um, and these other people, they don't deserve, they shouldn't get anything. Like People came here in in the 20s and, in the, and earlier than that, late 1800s, after early 1900s, and they end up being a part of this world. They, they should probably deserve that too. <laughs> But anyway, I deserve that. I just I moved the conversation too far away from where we were. No, no, but, no, um, valid point. I, I'm looking forward to hearing more about the room tonight, and hopefully, I don't have something else conflicting with it. But I'm gonna try to get to to that room. It's gonna often. I'm I'm sad to. I'm being optimistic, but mm-hmm. saddened that we may hear the same thing we keep hearing over mm-hmm. and over and over again. But I'm hopeful that that the doctor will have a different point of view to add to it. You know what my my belief is, Sonette, that the conversation is going to be different because I think we're dealing with a different sect of people, right, who think differently, who are able to reason differently. That, that's so. I, it, you're going to be in a room with intelligent people, not necessarily people with degrees, folks. Don't get me wrong. When I say intelligent, people who are able to think things through, people who are able to think before they speak, to you know, to respectfully ask questions and i think that's where the difference is going to be in in his space yeah moments you know what's so sad i asked my daughter recently you know why aren't you dating and she said to me that all the black men want white women or light-skinned women she's 24 years old i didn't even know that the world was still in that thought process until I came on to Clubhouse. And this is even friends that she went to school with. And I'm sitting back and I'm thinking about the men that I went to school with. And there's a huge number of them that married Hispanic women. So I don't know if this is ever going to change. And I just find it so strange because at least now, at my age, people love my dark skin Mm -hmm. or they're gravitating toward women. Mm 
that are dark skinned. But to hear my 24 year old daughter say that, it was saddening to me. Javette, is she opposed to dating outside of her race? Honestly, I don't think so because I didn't, she understands our culture, but she grew up amongst all different races. Yeah. But from the conversation, I see that right now, she was only thinking about the brothers. Yeah. But you know what? Tell her not to worry because love comes in all colors and the right person who is going to love her and respect her is going to come before her. She does tell her not to worry about the brothers because look at what they did to Serena and Venus. They call them ugly compared to, black men compared them to apes and how ugly they are. And, and who did Serena end up marrying? A white man. And not when, you know, it annoys the crap out to me when black men will tear down the black woman. But then when she goes and gets married to a white man or a man from another race, they have an issue with it. Why didn't you lift her up? Why didn't you call her beautiful? Why didn't you date her? Why didn't you marry her? Oh, she was. And the very men who are sometimes carrying on with those speeches, look at the woman that they have with them. You, you know what I wish could happen? You see that famous um, Dr. King, I have a dream speech. Mm -hmm. I wish that there was that speech that Marcus Garvey's speech recorded and, and played every year. Emancipate yourself from mental slavery. None but yourself can free our mind. Because I find in Bob Marley's song, we sing it, but it doesn't register. It doesn't hit home the same way. <laughs> yeah. And to me, those are the most powerful words ever spoken to me, like in the black community, because those words pretty much is telling us that, look, the reason why the chains, you know, have been broken and, and the, the, the handcuffs and, and the locks and stuff have been removed is because they were replaced in our mind. And mental, the, 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 the whole idea of mental slavery is more powerful than when we were in chains, our foreparents were in chains, because it's like we're walking around with padlocks in our mind, damaging our own people. Because it's, it's it, and it doesn't, it's not getting better. You know, me growing up in Jamaica, like I was bullied, like from, from birth until I left Jamaica for being brown. You know, I was being bullied, I was called names, I was, you know, and then on the opposite side, like, female friends that I had that were brown were glorified by men and bullied by women. So it's just this tug of war of us just like hurting each other mm -hmm. over and over again from generations to generation, just keep hurting each other. And, and the oppressors sit down and smile and say, look, we remove the chains from their, their, their hands and their feet, but they can't go anywhere because this chain that they have in their mind is just keeping them like damaging each other. And it's just sad that generations of like centuries upon centuries were still stuck in the same the same place yeah. with this mental slavery, you know, and it, it's very sad. Very yeah. sad. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna hold on to this article because I'm going into that room six thirty. 
And if um, Fabian doesn't have it, I'd love to make mention of it. Yeah, you know, we, we need to love ourselves. And if we truly love ourselves, it will be easy to love others, regardless of what we look like within the community and the part that gets me is that we're asking other races to respect us and treat us with equality but we don't do it to each other so how can we expect them to do to us what we can't even do to each other we need to fix ourselves and it starts in our hearts in our hearts and if you're ever one to look at someone else regardless of the color of your skin and think that you're better than them i ask i would implore you to change your outlook it's not too late change your outlook never think of yourself as better than someone else be humble don't do it right you can't ask for others to love you when you don't even know how to love others because you lack self-love right so 6.30 definitely going over there all right thank you ladies and gentlemen that little more coffee to take us out Sun's out is a siren, gun violence tiring. Rise up is a crime scene, them a try clean like IG. Now I wanna go chase my dream, but Babylon vampiring. Have the mice for my better life, and that's why them say conspiring. Unless I'm my concert, no I see no hands up. Yeah, no red shirt, no I see no anchor. Uh, 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 uh. Let's just stay alive, yeah. Thank you to all the listeners who logged on to QMZRadio.com. I know I am way over my time. Quite unusual, not the norm. Had a lot of stories this morning and each story had stimulating conversation. And everyone has a voice and we want to hear what people have to say. But I do apologize to DJ Naturalist and the owners of Jano Radio for going over. Thank you for your accommodation, right? Thank you to the listeners who hung on and hung in there. Thank you to everyone on JanoRadio.com. Thank you to each one of you here on Clubhouse. I appreciate you. Appreciate the conversation. It's always, always interesting, right? The perspectives, opinions, the views. And as always, I'm always there to learn. So I thank you. We do this every Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Coffee and Toe, world news on the go, where I read the news and we share our views. Remember, for quality music while you work or play to help you get through your day, QMZRadio.com. And don't forget to download the Jano Radio app, J-A-H-K-N-O, available in your Apple and Google Play stores. Take us on the go. You can follow me on Twitter at me media moments on Instagram and moments underscore with underscore me underscore media. And you can also catch me on the Tikka moments with me media. The me and everything is M.I. Whatever you do, folks, wherever you go, I do ask this one favor that you please be safe. Thank you to my wonderful co-mods and studio audience on Clubhouse. Appreciate you all. Take care of yourselves, folks. See you tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. Eastern. And remember, we go live on futurefm.net. Future FM 98.9 in the Bronx, Westchester, and Mount Vernon. Yeah. Thanks a million. Take care of yourselves. Gonna close out the room. 
Gotta close out the room now. Some about the coffee song though. Hold on a second. Hold on. I'm gonna close off the live radio feed. Clubhouse, you're still with me. 